This is Flyperbole with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsyth. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by Jacob's Yak Hut. Jacob's, where the first 15 customers are blocked for free. You know, Craig, I hear you're in sports. I like the thing. Yeah, I, I'll, you know, I don't want to seem overconfident here, but I like to think I'm in sports. I'm around sports. I, I watch it often. Uh, You're within I do sports. Sports, stuff. sports are all around you. Yeah, they, I'm within the vicinity of sports, I'd say. Sports and I have a working relationship to an extent. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a little lost, and I would understand, you probably <laughs> you're probably lost. This is in reference to a LeBron James tweet about the Houston Astros sign-stealing scandal that uh, came out recently. And it's just like LeBron decided, you know what? I will speak on this matter. You shall have King James' word on the matter. Yeah, he was like, you know, baseball's not handling it. I think I got to get in there. This is something for LBJ. I got to lay down the law. People got to listen. Maybe he's going to go and clean up the sport, much like Michael Jordan did many years ago. Yeah. And a lot of people forget Michael Jordan, pretty good baseball player. Like a lot of people forget that he was pretty, I didn't, I thought he was going to play for the White Sox, but these tweets, these, these tweets right here are gold mainly because the hashtag, the hashtag I want to try and use more often because it's not, I don't know why he made it a hashtag. If there's like 20 words in the hashtag, it's never going to catch on. What's the hashtag? I mean, I, it's in the tweet. I want to save it for when I read it on the tweet because it is, it's bad. Um, also <laughs> dropped the baseball emoji in there and then also a uh, couple swears. And, uh, he did mention that he does work with or around sports. So in um, the realm of sports in the general idea of sports. Yeah. Okay. So here is the tweet, uh, two tweets, by the way. So quote, listen, I know I don't play baseball. We didn't know that, uh, but I am in sports oh, wow. and I know if someone cheated me out of winning the title and I found out about it, I will be. F, you, you know what he's about to say. I rate exclamation point. You could I mean, also like, you could also actually curse because this is flyperbole and well, it's a family <laughs> program. It's families of South Philadelphia. And... All right, I'll guess I'll say yeah, I fucking I rate. So there, I finally oh, curse wow. on this podcast. I mean, like uncontrollable about what I would slash could do. Exclamation point. Listen here, baseball commissioner. Listen here, baseball commissioner. Listen like, here, baseball commissioner, <laughs> whose name I can't be bothered to Google. I was going to say, dude, dude, if you're going to send out this tweet, you know you're LeBron James. Just do like two seconds of Anyway, uh, listen here, baseball commissioner. Listen to your players speaking today about how disgusted, mad, hurt, broken, etc., etc. about this. Literally the ball, parenthesis, baseball emoji, or emote, <laughs> and parenthesis, is in your court, parenthesis, or should I say field, and parenthesis, not needed. And you need to fix this for the sake of the sp- of sports, exclamation point. Hashtag, just my thoughts coming from a sports junkie, regardless my own sport I play. That's the whole hashtag? That's the entire hashtag. I'll run that back. The entire hashtag again is, just my thoughts coming from a sports junkie, regardless my own sport I play. 
Let's get that trending. <laughs> I'll, I'll get it trending. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw out some sports opinions tomorrow. You 100. Like, I'm not about hockey. You 100 percent have to put that hashtag with the tweet for this post tomorrow. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that is definitely going down. But let's look. One, two, three, four. I, I can't count. But there's a lot of words in there. They're all capitalized. <laughs> it, it's not word. more no. than whatever the Twitter character limit is these days, and there, there's no way to tell what the Twitter. <laughs> character limit is anymore because does it matter it does not no it doesn't matter there's too many characters as is on twitter and on the twitter limit so let's reduce the characters let's go back let's actually go further back than it was originally let's go down to 100 10 word tweets 10 words i'll give you 10 words i don't care how long they are 10 words then we can let people have fun if they like want to try and make it as long as possible but i don't need to hear more than 10 words at a time this is coming from a podcast host for a podcast that's probably going to end in like three hours, but that's all I need. I just need quick little blurbs, but yeah. So this is uh, LeBron James. LeBron James doing a lot of clarifying who he is, how he doesn't play baseball, and uh, the worst hashtag I think I'll ever see in my life. It's pretty so, bad, and we've seen it's not good. We've <laughs> seen it. some bad ones, but as someone who's just a fan of a sport that would like to comment on that sport, let's talk some hockey. Oh, bait. nice. Very nice transition. I like that. Yeah, let's talk some let's talk some hockey. And um I mean, he he's was in sports at one time. I guess he's technically still in sports, but uh I guess we're going to open this talking about Ilya Brzezgalov. Oh boy. Oh, yeah. old friend of my my podcasting career here, Ilya Brzezgalov. Well, you have to be mid. <laughs> I my the original Flyers Faithful podcast intro was a bunch of briz clips that i put together with a, a beat in the background i really like that one and uh yeah uh, briz is as long as i've been podcasting briz has been a presence so welcome back to the podcast briz i'm so excited <laughs> yeah i'm sure well, this is the first time i think we've talked well we make a lot of briz jokes every once in a while but we're actually talking about him for other reasons than making fun of how how rich he is for being bad at hockey but apparently so uh he, Brzezgalov has responded to comments that Voracek made a couple months ago. And what happened was apparently back in November, Voracek was on uh, Barstool spitting chiclets and said that uh, he talked about Brzezgalov and said pretty much that Brzezgalov was just messing around in practice too much. And it was like, a, it was a, always a constant thing. It wasn't like an every once in a while you try and be funny. It was just, he was doing it all the time. And guys were like, okay, you should probably, you know, like cut it out. For the love uh, of God, Briz, can you just stop? Because the knock-knock jokes are not hitting, and, and we're like we're doing suicides here. So if you could please just... Uh, and then uh, apparently Brzezgalov was recently interviewed by Igor Aranko, who is a... He writes for Sports Express. It's over in Russia. Usually whenever you hear uh, updates about prospects that are playing over in the KHL or anything about the KHL or MHL, it's usually Igor Aranko breaking it. So pretty reliable source. Uh ended up talking to Briz about the pretty much about the interview and the comments that Voracek made and um, Briz came out and said that pretty much nobody told him to stop messing around and focus uh, and Aranko asked him not even Drew and Briz said what could he say to me uh, and then so what <laughs> he could he literally come over and say quit messing around yeah quit messing around and then Briz went on to say so what if he is captain and what is a quote leader end quote uh, they can appoint you as a leader Someone came and appointed him, now captain of the Flyers, called Drew. There could be people who disagree. When I was in Anaheim, our captain was Scott Niedermeyer. His captaincy was absolute, without a shred of doubt, because he was respected by everyone. Respect that was earned by 
his treatment of teammates, hard work, results, behavior away from the ice. There are a lot of factors, but you looked and knew that he was a real captain, a leader on and off the ice, not an appointee, a real leader. You had the utmost respect for him, everything he said, you listened, but there are other types of captains who get anointed to the job because they are nominally the best player on the team, and that's not even half the team. And, oh, and that's even if half the team doesn't respect him. So there's Jason and, uh, Smith's and then there's Claude Giroux's is what the lesson is here. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, that's the way that everybody took that statement. And Aronco read it right. And he said, uh, he asked if it was about Giroux and Bruce said it was in general and then talked about how the NHL teams usually just decide captains based on what the coach or management, management says and not really letting the players voice who should be the team captain and kind of making the, the, uh, the C patch in the NHL kind of worth this. Uh, Aronka then asked him about if Hartnell and Talbot were the real captains when Briz was there. Briz said, quote, I wouldn't say that. We had no captains, no one who was fit for the job. We didn't have a Scott Niedermeyer. We had skilled players, but no one who would command absolute respect. Uh, and if you remember when Briz Galf was here, uh, his time did overlap with some dude named Chris Pronger. So then Aronka said, even Pronger? And then Briz said, quote, even Pronger. Uh, as a basis for comparison, when Niemeyer was considering retirement after winning the Cup with the Ducks in 2007, Pronger was appointed captain, uh, and the locker room atmosphere changed immediately. Say we lost, played badly, Chris tried to talk, but no one listened. People were unlacing their skates, taking off tape, busying themselves with something else, because Chris did not command respect like Niemeyer did. So, hmm. Hmm. a lot to unpack there. Mainly, British is saying that the Flyers don't have any leaders or captains right now. And then he also then went on to say that Pronger wasn't a real leader as well, which uh, I, you know, I, I feel like you lose a little bit of credibility with that because I don't know. Seemed like Pronger uh, was the leader or the main guy on a lot of teams that were just dragged to the finals or, or just mediocre teams that overproduced and did pretty well in the postseason. And uh, Pronger was that guy. I mean, they won in 2007. Uh, two years later, he was the 8C with the Ducks. They took out the Sharks and then took the, the Red Wings to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference semifinals. Yeah. Next year, he took the Flyers to the Cub. And, I mean, again, the Flyers were good, but they did have to squeak into the last playoff spot that year. Uh, and in 2006, he was with the Oilers, who were an 8 seed, and then took the Hurricanes to Game 7 of the Cub. I mean, so, the thing at the end of the day here is that these comments are so hollow because they're coming from Ilya Brizgalov, who yeah, I, I think when everybody hears Jake Voracek say, yeah, he wouldn't quit screwing around, just always kind of a goofball and uh, to the a point where it was a detriment. Everybody says, yeah, that checks out. And then Brizgalov comes in and says, well, who's going to tell me to stop screwing around? You're a grown ass man. Grown ass <laughs> man. You stop screwing around and do your job. Come on. Yeah, just quit screwing around as is. Yeah, like, you should just. Jesus yeah. Christ, he'd probably still be in the NHL uh, at a decent level because have you seen some of the goaltending names in the NHL these days? Like, I'm sure if he had continued at a decent level and quit screwing around and got his act together, he could have been fine and he could have sustained a decent NHL career, but. I mean, the guy quickly got a reputation for just being a, a squirrely goofball who just didn't show up and take his job seriously. And he was not, he just simply wasn't reliable. He was a guy, I never liked the acquisition because every time he got to the playoffs, he got smoked. And then with the Flyers, he just would have, I don't know, the occasional, it felt like the occasional good game, but mostly he just felt incredibly unreliable. Yeah, 
no, he was pretty unreliable. And I'm, I think of a couple of things that happened when he was here and he was on the team before. I mean, Twitter was around, but I wasn't, I wasn't really on Twitter yet, you know, back when life was good. But I remember when, I think it was 2011, that crazy game the Flyers lost 9-8 to eight to the Jets, and he was in net. And in the post game, he said something like, I have no confidence right now. And then just kind of sat there and looked at reporters. And I'm like, what? Like a pro athlete said that about a game. Like he's playing two days from now. If and only is, the captain had come is... over and said, Ilya, have confidence. Then he would have yeah, had confidence. It's, it's that simple. Ilya, yeah, just Ilya, grow up. We got a game in two days. Relax. I mean, you got to go make some saves. Yeah, yeah. Ilya, you're making a shit ton of money. Maybe you could just uh, be, you know, a normal goaltender. Thank you. And again, we, we know goalies have a reputation for being squirrelier NHL players. And we know this weird, is yeah. who Ilya Brisgalov is. And uh, certainly I'm, I'm sympathetic with confidence issues and everything, but he was just never a guy you could rely upon. And well, you, to hear yeah. him kind of complain about leadership and the captaincy is everything just is like a, kind of a sick joke. Yeah. And I get the whole confidence thing too, but there's a difference between dealing with confidence secretly i guess or like internally with the team or like you know letting a coach be like hey i'm not i haven't been on my a or b game in a month and then also just going out and be like yep opponents media i got no confidence uh, i'll see you in 24 hours like that's i feel like there's a difference between those two which was well like and then i think there's another one too where at the um flyers wives like the the carnival in the middle of the season flyers wives carnival i forget the name of it now but it's the, the uh... flyers wives fight for lives carnival you you had all the components but you all just right. you had all, all the legos in front of you but you did not make it into the millennium yeah, that sounds yeah that's like the description of my life yeah all the pieces were there but um but, and then somebody said something like uh he said something like uh this city takes hockey too seriously like that was a report that came out and then like other people were like, yeah, apparently I said that. So like, those are just two things. Like, I just don't think he understood. I mean, even now he's still didn't understand still how to do thing. his job and be a professional. Yeah. I mean, and, the thing is like, I shouldn't go to that. So I, I went to the, the car. I think that was the only time I ever went to the carnival and I, I went to it that year. And I remember seeing they, they have a thing where kids can shoot and score on the flyers goalies it's really nice, but oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw them shooting at Briz, and I'm like, <laughs> uh, just thinking, even a child can score on Briz. Cause, like, that was my first thought. And, like, it, well, and they gave him a lot of money to not make saves, yeah. I think we're, we're maybe the last people who can be accused of taking hockey too seriously. We talk about it every week, but we take a very lighthearted view of it. But at the same time, like, Jesus Christ, Briz, like, you got it. If this is your job that you're paid millions of dollars to do, please take it more seriously for the love of God. Yeah. And that was the problem is just it never felt like he he carried himself professionally or he really gave a shit. And if Philly respects one thing, it's players who give a shit, who care a lot. And he just seemed he seemed to be the opposite of that. He just never seemed to give a shit. Just showing up for the paycheck and have a good time. Like it's funny to a degree. He talks about the Huskies and the universe and all that. It got old real fast. Yeah. I think his, I think the best thing he did for the franchise was be a part of the mess that was to 2012. Like if, if he, if the Flyers had a more reliable netminder in that 2012 series, 
against the Penguins. Uh, I don't think it's anywhere near as entertaining. Maybe they also beat the Devils then, too. If they had somebody else in net and he wasn't, I don't know, trying to clear pucks off David Clarkson and then. But, like, in the first series, like, I just remember some of the goals. I mean, they were they lost game three, 10 to three. They won the second game, eight to five. Like, they had like the third game or the fourth game, too, the absolute mayhem game where the Flyers still dominated. He still gave up four goals. Like, he just didn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was bringing this up because I saw people, a couple people talking about it. Uh, a couple people texted me about it. So I was like, oh, shit, I guess I'll check this out. And then it was uh, pretty much just. Briz Duncan on, uh, I mean, kind of Drew. And uh, yeah, speaking I mean, of Drew. And oh, wait, no, go I'm ahead. sorry, I didn't want to break up your transition because no, you're no, doing go a good ahead. job with it. But it, <laughs> I mean, essentially, it, the other thing is you have to take those comments with a grain of salt because Drew, this is years ago at this point, talking 2011, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. almost yeah. a decade ago. So uh, Drew is undoubtedly a different player and a different leader today than he would have been then. So really yeah. his comments are irrelevant on today's team and yeah. take, well, also, yeah. take from them what you will about the team at the time. Uh, and th- there were a lot of issues with the team granted. Uh, I do think it was an, a really weird leadership time because they did get rid of the two biggest names in order to get his dumbass. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. no, I, I'm, I, I just, say, I'm looking yeah. at this Voracek quote and I think Voracek's quote from November on Spit and Chicklets is 100%. That's the perception of Briz, and it just seems right. It's fine to goof around every now and then, but every day, every moment, not taking the job even remotely seriously, it's just, it's it's no good, and you can't do that. And that's the reason this guy has been out of the league for years at this point. He got bought out. He had a, a brief chance to come back, I think, with the Ducks, right? And... I think so. Oh, yeah, he came back for the uh, – he was on the Oilers, too. For He was on the Oilers in 2013, 14, yeah, I think. Yeah, but it, he never stuck, and this is a guy with – we know he has talent. We know he yeah. is a guy who, who can be or could have been a very good goaltender at the NHL level and had some success, had a lot of success. He – you know, when you look at the contract he got, it was due to the talent and some of the success he's had at the NHL level. But – at the end of the day, he didn't act like a professional, and that's why he's not playing anymore. That's why he hasn't played for a while. So, Briz, look, I hope you really enjoy, you know, showing up at the games and just kind of hanging out, doing whatever the hell you're doing, but, dude, do not talk shit on Claude Giroux for even a second. <laughs> I don't think that was the intention of the interview. No, but no, no, like, no. Even, but listen, Claude Giroux is... And for reasons we're about to talk about, like he is, he is an all-time flyer. He is not a guy uh, I appreciate any shit talk about. So keep his name out of your mouth, please. Yeah. Uh, also, I want to continue this mid-transition commentary. Uh, we should, we should try and get on chicklets. I think, because I mean, well, maybe we shouldn't. I feel like everybody that goes on there now is in some kind of like controversy because it was uh, these two, uh, Jr. Uh, and uh, now Biz Nasty. And uh, Dan Carcillo apparently are having a whole thing going on too. So, uh, well, you should go I mean, on. If we want to get up you've the, got uh, you've got a dark and checkered past that should oh, undoubtedly God, come out. And yes, listen, the things that you did all those years ago, I, I can't even begin to to fathom what people would think when the truth comes out. 
I want to say 10 years ago today, let's say, I, there's a, probably a pretty good chance I was doing the exact thing I'm doing right now, which is watching and talking about a hockey. So I'm a pretty you're forgetting, a wild and dangerous life. You're forgetting the night you drank 65 Four Locos <laughs> and just <laughs> left and the club scene. You died, you came back to life, and you destroyed a club. You destroyed an entire club, all right? And... I, we can't talk about it though because you will immediately be arrested, tried, and executed. So we we can't talk about it. All right, no, you're right. For legal reasons, we won't. Um, Your lawyer has specifically told me do not let Craig talk about this. <laughs> and here you are, fucking up, and you're gonna get a strongly worded email from my lawyer about bringing this goddamn night up yet again. But uh, speaking of, uh, so sixty, how many lo- four locos did you say? I said 65, you were four short of nice. Okay, so 65 for Locos uh, is my personal record. But speaking of records, uh, Claude Drew now has the Flyers Club record for most amount of power play assists. There you Uh, go. You you came back around on it. Came back around. You try try to stop me once, I'll just push through it. Uh, These segues can't be stopped, baby. Uh, So he's... (laughs) Baby, get down for it. So 235 now for Drew. Uh, He passed Bob Clark, who had 234. Clark had 234 power play assists in 1,144 games. Drew has uh, 235 in 880 games. So a little bit of disparity in games played so far. Uh, and Drew, I don't know if he's going to catch any of these other records, but I do want to talk about them. Also, the assist that he got, the uh, or the, the goal that he got the assist on was pretty gross because he dropped to his knees, stick handled for a little bit. Set up a nice pass down low to connect me. Zipped it across right to Voracek for a nice sharp angle one-timer. It was it was all around kind of sexy. I mean, it was a pretty good goal. It mm. was a good goal to set the club record on. So Yeah, it was real a nice. Lot of, uh, real yeah, nice. So. If JJ just went, mm, yeah, that would have been a nice reaction. <laughs> anyway, mm, so yeah. that's some good stuff. So he turned 32 uh, in January. Two more seasons on the contract. I think he's going to have another contract after this one, I think. But... Tell me, let's talk about if he can set any of these other uh, franchise records. So before we talk about the ones he can set, he already leads the Flyers history in overtime goals. He has 11, 11 regular season overtime goals. Um, big part of that is, or he's got a little bit of help from uh, the NHL didn't have overtime uh, in the regular season until 1983-84. Uh, and that's also evidenced by Voracek second with eight, Ghost has six, and Gagne has six. So... He kind of got lucky with uh, Clark and Barber and all those guys, uh, you know, Leach, McLeish, not having uh, overtimes. But he does deserve to have a couple records in franchise history because he is he's doing it right and he's been suffering through all these bad teams. But anyway, goals. Bill Barber leads the uh, is the all-time Flyers goal scorer leader, and he has a very nice amount of goals. The off-used nice version. Uh, he's got 420. <laughs> Drew is currently 10th with 252, so he needs – 199 more. Um, so if, even if he he's only had one 30 goal season in his career, he needs six of those, and then he just needs a 20 goal season after that. So I'm thinking he doesn't do it. I'm thinking that's. I don't think he's going to be able to keep up that pace for that many more seasons, especially he's this also year where particularly been a goal scorer. No, no. So it would make sense if he doesn't set the franchise record. But you know, it would be I, this one. I'm not. Yeah, he's not going to touch it, I think. I think he is going to finish. My prediction is fifth. So I think he's going to fall right behind Clark's 358. 
and I think he might get more than Leclerc's 333. That is some which, pretty, pretty, pretty good company. I mean, yeah, if you're if you end up with more goals as a flyer than John Leclerc, I think it's it's hard for people to knock you. But we'll find out. We'll see. We'll cross the bridge when we get there because I'm sure there's some people have things to say. Uh, so assist, he's second to Clark. Clark's got 852. Drew currently has 556, so he needs 297 more assists. Uh, he does have back-to-back 60 assist seasons the last two. Uh, each season he has 63 or more. Uh, I think he's on pace. I think he might be on pace for 60 this year. I'm not sure. But you need six more seasons of 50 assists a year. Uh, again, it could be – it's going to be pretty close. Uh, I don't know if he can do 50 assists each year for six straight seasons. I think he can break 50 assists a couple more seasons here. Um, but I think he's just going to – he's going to make the gap lesson between him and Clark at one and two, but I don't think he's actually going to clear that, clear that bar. Yeah, um, I don't do think th- so either, but, uh, well, once the NHL adds the, the third assist in there, you know, the, you've got I mean, the secondary assist the and you've got the, yeah. Yeah, the tertiary <laughs> assist. That's really yeah, going to help him out. That's gonna, yeah. No, I, I, I think it's, it's again, a situation where, yeah, he's probably going to finish second, but I mean, it's second to Bobby Clark and, that's a, a hell of a total right there. So it's, it's uh, not a, more than yeah. respectable. Not not bad to be behind the guy that Wayne Gretzky apparently uh, kind of idolized his game after. Dropping that little little nugget in there too. But also speaking of secondary assist, I think I was trying to look up when they added it. And I think they added it before Clark was even. I think they added it way back. Like I think they made secondary assist a thing. Um, I thought I saw in the 30s. Not sure about that. But that could also be a factor here. But I, I'm pretty sure they added it before Clark's time as well. Well, Craig, Clark's... let's get in our time machine and find out. Jump, 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 jump. That's the sound of time machine. Thanks, I guess. I don't know. Uh, what was oh, – yeah, no, anyway. Clark has averaged 0.74 assists per game over his career. Or he did. He's not still playing hockey. Um, Claude Giroux you know is averaging of. 0.63 assists per game. So even – Clark was pretty good setting, uh, setting people up to score. I mean, again, he did have the guy who leads the – franchise and goal scored in history uh playing with them and also a goalie in that which um you know drew's kind of getting used to now nice change of pace for him but see so i think he finishes second in that not quite st- i mean if he finishes fifth in goals for claude drew that would be as a playmaker and like you're known as a playmaker to still be in a top five for a franchise for goal scoring that's pretty uh that's a pretty good statement to durability and reliability but um points now Clark had 1,210. Drew is fourth with 808. Again, I'm not sure if he's going to break Clark's total, but I think it's I think it's clear and easy he's going to finish in second because Brian Prop, uh, friend of the show apparently, uh, is third with 849, and then Barber is second with 883. So he may pass Prop by the end of this season. I'm not sure if he, uh, probably not, but. Uh, if not this season, definitely next season. Uh, and then I'll pass Barber at the end of uh, probably somewhere in 2021, 22. Uh, and if he wants to pass Clark, he's got to get 403 more points. So that is seven more 60 point seasons. Um, and we're talking about him producing 60 point seasons at the ages of like 37, 38 and 39. Oh, no problem. Yeah. Just, yeah. Piece of cake. We can do that. There's not going to be any issues with that. So, Again, I think he's going to come up short, but I think I want to say he should be locked in to finish second at least. I think he can. He's going to be past prop next season, 
and he might even be past uh, Barber next season, depending on how well he plays. So I, I think it's just going to be a matter of if he's going to play long enough to pass Clark's record. But again, all Clark's records are just if Drew, like if he was healthier during the 2016-17 time frame and didn't have to play through all that, or actually, you know, was on good teams, I think I would give him a, a more of a legitimate shot to break these. But I just don't. I don't see him. I don't see him breaking that barrier. If Giroux uh, can play just ball. play until he's fifty years old, it should not be an issue. If he plays until he's fifty, do you think the Flyers get past the first round again? No. That's eighteen years. I mean, who knows? It's up in the air. <laughs> no, they're never getting past the first round again. It's just every other year, first round, lose to the Penguins or the Capitals. Change the format, NHL. Change the format. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because when you're, you know, we have more points than a divisional leader, and you still can't. Getting a playoff spot, I think you gotta you gotta change some stuff up. But all right, power play points. Clark's first with 333. Drew's second with 313. 21 is not a lot, but usually has been putting up big point totals on the power play. But 23 last season, and he should be around 20, maybe a little bit more again this season. Um, I mean, all he has to do is have one more season of that, and he breaks it. So I I think he should obviously be. I, I think he's going to end up having the, the franchise lead and uh, power play points as well. And I, yeah, it's not even, it's not even debatable to me, but anyway. Yeah, he should, uh, he should get there. Yeah. And then he already leads in uh, overtime. So if this ends up like this, if he gets to fifth in goals, he's already second in assists, uh, should be second in points, will be first in power play points, and he's first in overtime goals. Do you? Is there any way he moves in the second of all time, Flyers? I don't think. I don't think he can. Well, the the problem is as far as well, yeah. Unless he wins a cup, you can't really. So, the at the very least, I think the highest he can be is third, and that's even if he wins a cup. I think the highest he can be is third because I think one and two are Clark and Perrant, and pick your order with those two. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, yeah, it's going to be – he's not going to be able to – I don't think he's going to be able to top Clark or, or Parent. Yeah, that's fair. Now, the or question – <laughs> Ryan Parent. <laughs> Ryan Parent, yeah. Um, my question is – my question is, as it stands today, as it stands today, would you say that Claude Giroux should be ranked higher in all-time flyers than John LeClaire? John McClure, very beloved, one of my favorites personally. But, I mean, looking at some of these numbers, uh, Drew's already in some elite company as far as all-time flyers go. And I love Johnny Vermont, but if you're you're talking about playoff success, like, I mean, obviously Drew hasn't won many rounds and Johnny Vermont won a a good amount. But, you know, I mean, neither of them won the cup. (laughs) Yeah, that that is a tough one because Leclerc also, I he was never the best player on the team, was he? I mean, no, I mean, Leclerc he, was always like the glue guy, and he scored a shit ton of goals. But I mean, goals, yeah. he was either you had Eric Lindros, Simone Gagne. Yeah, and I'm thinking of the Legion of Doom too. Like he and he was a part of that, and that's huge. And he did have a bunch of fifty goal seasons, and he was on a bunch of the teams that made deep playoff runs in the late nineties and early two thousands. But I, 
I I don't know. That that's a tough question just because I I think everybody has a lot of good memories of the John LeClaire days too. Because like the Flyers were good and fun back then, and it wasn't like going to work when you watched them or wrote about them or talked about them. So it was a nice change of pace. And I think when people think of Giroux, there's going to be a lot of annoying things affiliated with his tenure that he didn't have any. I. I mean, he probably didn't walk in the Holmgren's office and he was like, yep, I'm ready to be captain. You can trade Richard to Carter now. Um, <laughs> and also, he didn't tell Hextall to... Well, maybe you know, if he do had done that, maybe if he'd done that, Ilya Briskalov would have respected Briskalov, him more. And I mean, you know, at the end of the day, do you want Briskalov's respect or not? That's what it comes down to. Do you want Briskalov's Huskies or not? It's that simple. <laughs> Just answer the question. You're the one making this weird. I don't... Uh... I, it's not I, a question we necessarily look, I need to answer I just, today. I can't but do it's, this. Yeah, I want to lay down and think about it. I don't know. And the thing I, is, I really do love uh, these rankings. Players. These rankings are also subjective. No, they are they're so just intertwined with your feelings and thoughts on guys. But I think at this point, Claude Giroux is undoubtedly one of the great flyers of all time. And yes. I would spit on anybody in public. That would say otherwise. Hell yeah, dude. Same. I would watch you spit on people in public. I would kick anybody right in the nards, whatever age (laughs) they may be, if they besmirch the name Claude Giroux. Just right in the mist. You could be 89 years old, and I'm going to kick you right in those nards. (laughs) Just walking around retirement homes. I'm sorry? What'd you say about Drew? And then just throwing their jello and kicking out their canes. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Whenever you want to do this, you let me know. Listen up, geezer. Claude Giroux is undoubtedly a top 10 flyer, <laughs> if not top five. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Claude I, I think that's Giroux. The, <laughs> I think that's the... I think to me, I think that's the more interesting... Or not more interesting, but like top five or top 10. Right. Uh, but the, the, the thing that I'm... I think the thing with Leclerc and Giroux too is Leclerc... I think if you switch the eras the two played in, neither would be as successful as they were at the time they played. Well, sure, because Leclerc needed to be the size he was to succeed in 90s NHL. And Drew, you need to be faster. You need to be more skilled for today's game. Uh, They were both appropriate players for... I, I think the best comparable for Claude Giroux in the Leclerc era would be Simone Gagne, probably. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, and, you know, again, he was, yeah, he's a small guy, and he's pretty damn good. And I think of, like, Leclerc now. I mean, Simmons was doing pretty good in this league for a while. He's not really now, but apparently garnering interest from the Canucks, too, which we'll talk about that later in the episode. I'm not sure what, I don't know what Jim Benning's all hopped up on. Canucks are going for it, Craig. They're going for it. Yeah, they. I'll tell you what. When you when you don't leave that division, that is absolutely terrible. You, you got to put all the chips on the table. So, uh yeah, but that uh, yeah, so that's Claude Drew, that's Sean Leclerc. They're all uh, they're pretty. I like them both, Steve. There, I'll say that. They're two I know of my that's favorites. Controversial. They're two of my yeah, favorites. They really are two of my favorites. I think yeah. a, I think this is a topic to revisit in the summer. Uh, summer episodes, as we know, tend to have a lot of rankings and discussion of that sort. So maybe we can uh, do our top ten flyers in the summer. All right, all right, I'm down with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that. Um, but for right now, we should transition to uh, things that are happening. Well, I guess kind of on the ice it's really more about players that are out we move from the flyers of the past to the flyers of today a drive to the score sheet for today's game i don't know uh mark friedman was called up from lehigh valley he was also called up on saturday last week as a precautionary measure and then was sent down the lehigh valley 
when they found out that Sanheim could play. Looks like he's coming back up this time around because Ghost is not quite where he is, and also the Flyers sent down Morgan Frost this week. So let's talk about Freeman and Ghost real quick. So according to Jack McCaffrey of the Daily Local News, uh, Ghost practiced on Tuesday. They were expecting him not to play. He was a, a scratch on Tuesday. He was a healthy scratch. Apparently was absolutely winded on Tuesday, wasn't in game shape, wasn't ready, like nowhere near ready to play yet. Uh, it says he's feeling fine, but he's just winded too much. So I believe that's why Mark Freeman was called up, and I'm hoping that's the reason why Mark Freeman was calling up, because also last night, Proroff got took a shot from Gustav Nyquist into the middle of his right ankle and dropped on the ice for a minute. Yeah, that was, that that was a nerve-wracking moment. I was shocked yeah. when he came back. Well, and kept playing. Uh, that guy's made a steal. However, he played great too. And and, uh, and it was also in the first period. Had a goal waved off, which was we'll talk about that in a second too. But uh, played the entire game. Uh, and then I think in the second period, Myers blocked a shot, and he was a little shaken up afterwards. And uh, he may also be dealing with something from that. So those two guys may not be playing on Thursday. Great today for listening, but. I'm thinking more it's the I'm hoping it's more the ghost development. That makes more sense because then they could just have Freeman as a seventh. Because if Pro well, if Myers is out, things get it's not the end of the world, but you have a less than ideal third pair, which uh, kind of what they have going on now. But Sanheim Braun would be the second pair in my opinion. And then you put Hag and Freeman as the third, and that's pretty much just to hope and pray they don't get scored on because they're not going to do anything offensively and they're going to get stuck in their own zone a lot. And that they did manage to do that Freeman's first time up, but it's not something I want to keep going back to the well on. Uh, if Pro Raw's out, the fuck if I know what we're going to do. Because the top pair would have to be Sandheim, Niskanen. And then you have Hag in the top four. Uh, you have Ghost, who obviously isn't in game shape right now in the top four. Or you have Freeman, and then you have three right-hand defensemen in the bottom four. And I know, I know your thoughts and feelings on the left hand and right hand stuff, but I think it does play a big factor in their decision making. So, if, Craig, if Proverb... what if I were to tell you, what if I were to tell you that there is, I'm excited for this thirty for thirty. There is an experienced NHL defenseman out there who knows the Flyers like the back of his hand, mm-hmm. that can step mm-hmm. in there, provide leadership, mm-hmm. grit, courage, and starfishing ability. His name. Is Andrew McDonald? Andreas and Lillian. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah he is yeah. ready to suit up at a moment's notice, throw on the sea, and dive out on the ice for the Flyers. <laughs> throw on the sea. I also like the picture of diving out. He just literally, as soon as he runs out of the uh, tunnel for pregame skate, just belly flop around the ice. Oh yeah. I think uh, you want to talk about leadership. Do you get me a captain that each time he leads that runout line? And right before he gets onto the ice, he just yells "Cannonball!" and then just grabs <laughs> his legs. <laughs> You're telling me that wouldn't unite a team? I'd be cracking up. I'd want to score 10 goals a night for that guy. As we all know, Mike Maniluk was known to do that with the Flyers <laughs> in the late 90s. <laughs> AMAC had nine points, all assists, in 47 games last year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, His number, so it, it was appropriate. Yeah, he wanted to go out on top. So he's like, it's my number. It's funny. So <laughs> After Kevin the, Nima, last, the, way. the last game, he's like, we played my number, uh. I'm, do- I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> I'm done. You can buy me out now. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> Listen, why don't, uh, the, why don't the Flyers just pull what I do 
when I'm playing NHL and one of my defensemen get hurt mid-game and just throw Scott Lawton back on defense. Hey, put Ghost at forward, try Lawton back on defense, and we'll just go from there. Lawton How well... and NAK as a defensive pairing. Who says no? <laughs> I, I think a lot of people, but I, I mean, I mean, I'll fuck it. I'll stay. I'll try it. I want to see what it's like. Let's get nuts. I, I feel like the the common idea of Ghost thrown out as a forward, I feel like would never work for a lot of reasons. But Couturier, I thought about this a couple years ago. I forget who I was talking about it with. Couturier as a defenseman. How well do you think he would transition to playing defense? Sean Couturier. I feel like he could be a, Noria, a Norris level like defenseman. Sean Couturier <laughs> can do anything he sets his mind to. If he wanted to be the goalie tomorrow... God damn it, I would let Sean Couturier throw in the pads. And at a bonus, he's in sports. If he wanted to transition to another sport, I could see him being a clinical guy like on the basketball court down low, just working people on the post. Shooting just... guard Sean Couturier. Yeah. You've got a pitcher, quarterback, be... pitcher, catcher. He can play literally any baseball position he wants to. Sean Couturier can do anything. I feel like Sean Couturier would look like Nick Foles when he was a quarterback, except he would be like the most, he'd have like the best football IQ of any quarterback in the history of the game. Oh, yeah. It'd be like if uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's IQ actually applied to the sport. Yeah, and he was actually, you know, better at football then. He's he's good like once out of every six years. Like I think. Well, just when he plays the Eagles. Just when he plays the Eagles. Yeah, he just had to go lights out with the Bucs. No, like if Doc Coots. Wanted to step in there and win a darts tournament tomorrow. I bet he could. Do you think uh, he should start wearing, uh, or not wearing, but having empty prescription bottles up his sleeves? And then when he scores on the goalie, he just throws them at him. He's like, get, get medicated, and they just skate to the bench. That should be that will be my uh, that'll be my advice for Sean Couturier. Take like two a... of these and go fuck yourself. <laughs> or he's got like the the RX notepad. He's like, I'm writing your prescription. For better goaltending, I'll see you at the bench, and then he just skates <laughs> away like this. Uh, well, let's... I mean, oh. I guess we could talk about this during the games, but I mean, after after the goalie scored against versus Lickens in the last game, that just happened to go into the net. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that was. Uh, I mean, he fooled the goalie with no shot. You got to give him that. He knew the goalie was looking for a shot, and he was like, "I'm just not going to shoot it." I'll let that pug out like, on he, he, he was, did the triple deke and just like, you know what? Let's just see what happens. God, the Flyers got so many bounces last night. I don't even fucking care. The Flyers are due. They're backlogged so many dumb bounces in big situations that thir- Thursday night should be another game where they have like six goals on eight shots. And then the, the Blue Jackets just don't hit the net once. Like they're everything that could have gone right went right for them yesterday. So good. Uh Okay, so let's let's make this a serious podcast again. Mark Freeman was recalled. One assist in five games this year uh, with the Flyers averaging 13-1 of ice time. Uh, again, could just be an option for seventh defenseman, especially if Ghost isn't ready. Uh, and that's, uh, well, that's the end of the... Uh... <laughs> oh, Frost being down. Let's Frost get real serious and talk about Mark Freeman <laughs> well, for 30 more. seconds. <laughs> also, I want to talk about Morgan Frost. So, you know, let me get these words in. Uh, he only played two wins before he got sent back down. He played in the Caps, uh, the win over the Caps uh, last Saturday in D.C., and then he played uh, in the Flyers' win over the Panthers in Philly last week. Zero points, zero shots on goal, but he did block a shot in a 26-01 over two games. So, again, 
I would like to see more Frost down the stretch, uh, but I mean, I I would assume he gets called back up again at some point, especially if they get closer to the playoffs or if they want to. He'll be used as a black ace in the postseason. Like I feel like he would be the first guy that the Flyers are going to use as a wild card that an opponent doesn't know that much about to kind of use as a matchup, uh, as like a matchup. Uh, That's what Big Al does. He gets in your Disparity. head. Matchup. Match. I can't think of the right term right now. You guys know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. He's, <laughs> it doesn't he's gonna matter. listen. He's gonna play checkers, not chess. <laughs> no, it's chess, not checkers. By the way, line his pawns up, <laughs> get his I bishops don't... ready. You know all that chess stuff. I saw somebody write an article about Crosby yesterday, and apparently one of the Penguins players said everybody else out there is playing checkers and he's playing chess. So I just wanted to let you know about that. So you can verbally assault that person on Twitter tomorrow. Oh, I will. I, I will. I'm going to dox them. <laughs> it's going to be great. I think it's like an actual like. It is a phrase. Like Pittsburgh. I didn't make it up. <laughs> no, I know that. No, I know. <laughs> I was just we were running with the uh, we, you were running with the shockatory you know chestnut checkers thing for a while. So I think uh, I'm a little irritated now that they're trying to give another thing to Crosby. You know what I mean? Like hey. he doesn't need all these awards. Well, and that, and when they get together, they play chess against each other. It's it's the old Xavier Magneto chess feud <laughs> i like to think of strong uh to sean i like to think of uh, Sidney crosby as a uh, bizarro couturier like he's just the he's the bad version of couturier bizarro. Really, really good, yeah nobody likes him um yeah you can't grow facial hair <laughs> uh well i don't know he's got i don't yeah well no he seems pretty he seems all right at life i don't know no, it seems I mean, like he's crosby got sucks that's the line that's the, we all know he sucks. <laughs> oh no yeah he's bad at hockey i think he's no he sucks at everything yeah. he just sucks like you can't, show up at the laundromat walk. you know he's struggling with uh because you know Sidney crosby's going to the laundromat multi-millionaire <laughs> and he's like oh what, what do i put in the soap the, the the detergent and everybody people just show up and go crosby sucks crosby sucks <laughs> That's what happens. I like the picture of him not being able to do everyday everything. It's like walking in a straight line or just tripping over his own feet. Like he doesn't know letters of the alphabet. Like there are things Can't that tie are just... his shoes. Crosby sucks. Crosby sucks. <laughs> when he was at the laundromat, he's like, I think this is soap. And then he starts to eat it. And it's like, oh, no, you're supposed to. Oh, Crosby. He was... I thought it was candy. Did <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk. Uh... Let's talk about these games real quick. Let's talk I'll put down a lot of notes on these games as well. Through the, uh... So the Flyers lost five to three to Tampa Bay on Saturday. Tampa Bay is playing all right recently. They are now twenty three two and one over the last twenty six games. Uh, they had a ten game winning streak when they played the Flyers. They're currently on, or they had a nine game winning streak when they played the Flyers. Currently on an eleven game winning streak and a thirteen game point streak. They also have a, another ten game winning streak over these last twenty six games. So, again, for me, I know the Lightning went out early in the postseason last year. I think the playoff series lost to the Blue Jackets paired with the, sh- the shitty start to this year kind of helped them focus more on defense, and it seems like they are really – I think they had seven goals against in the eight games before they played the Flyers. And then the Flyers scored three, but they all came when it didn't really matter so the defensive side of the game the thing about the lightning focusing on defense is it's not like they were exactly lacking at in talent at that position either no no not at all so yeah it's just victor Hedman rolling along uh i do i think the blake coleman addition is good for them we'll talk about that in a little bit too but yeah if they it's kind of i think the thing with the caps a couple years ago where forever the caps were 
clearly the most loaded team in the league, but they just couldn't they just couldn't figure it out in the postseason. And then in 2018, like two games in the playoffs, they're like, you guys want to like start you know blocking shots and stuff? And then they did that, and then they won the cup. So I'm thinking a lot more truncated time frame for this Lightning team. Uh, not a decade, maybe like four or five years, still going to figure out their shit. And I think maybe this. So I'm, I'm hitching my wagon to the Lightning again in the postseason. We'll see how that pans out. That's a, as of right now. We'll see what happens going on. But first period, surprise, not great for the Flyers. They got out chance 14 to five in the uh, first period. Yeah. Um, nobody, nobody did well in the game. Uh, top line of Drew Katori Voracek. Um, they were on the ice for a goal against and had uh, 38.71 expected goals for percentage, so not great. Uh, JVR, Lawton, and Pitlick had a 40-40 percentage, 35.19 expected goals for percentage, and were on the ice for two goals against in seven minutes and 12 seconds at 5-5. Five and five. And JVR and Lawton together have been working off each other pretty well. Um, I haven't noticed Pitlick that much the last couple games, uh, probably since the snipe, but I don't think he's playing poorly. Uh, it's just JVR and Lawton seem to get one or two chances a game where you're like, wow, so that was JVR and Lawton on that chance, huh? Like, wow. you're kind of surprised that they're putting it together as, as well as they are. But uh, And then speaking of Provorov, too, not, he didn't get hit uh, in the leg or the mistress in this game, but not the best game for him overall against the Lightning. Um, Provorov and Niskanen as a pair, uh, got hemmed in their own zone and gave up two goals against at five and five. Had a lot of issues keeping the puck at the point. Um, had a bunch of bad turnovers. Um, the second goal against, he had two turnovers below the goal line before Cedric Paquette got set up to dunk at home. First goal against, he had the puck go off him, then he stood still and um, got dunked on by oh, God, who scored the first goal for them? Whoever gave it the first goal. You know, uh, the guy. Oh, uh, Kalorn. Alex Kalorn scored the first goal. So, uh, and again, Hart only stopped 19 and 23. I don't think any of the goals were really on him. The first one could have been on him because even though the puck came back to Kalorn, he kind of took a shoulder off the post and then didn't put it back on the post when Kalorn picked it back up. Kalorn backed it in off of him. Second one, again, was Proveroff. Turnovers below the goal line. Niskanen was too far in the corner on the other side, and Lawton was also behind the goal line, and JVR and Pitlick didn't pick up on that. Third goal was um, for Hege. It was an odd man rush. Hedman let it up ice, was able to get Hag the drop, and then had plenty of time to choose between hitting Gorge streaking to the net, and Braun covered him, but that led for Hege wide open. Uh, and he was able to put that home. For a second, fourth... I thought you were calling uh, Robert Hag Hagee. Oh no, <laughs> old Hagee over there. Like, no, no, no. We just came up with body bag. We can't. Yeah, we, we can't be bag. making no, extra nicknames. I think. I think everybody. I think both people. Uh, people on both sides of the uh, the, hag, the aisle for uh, the Hag debate can agree that Hag Hitman. Yeah, that, body bag Hag is a pretty good one. Th- this is not a, a germ versus Ruby debate. Everybody loves the body bag. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah, and also there's no more debate because the. The germ one, but uh, the, and then the fourth the goal get infected. Wait a second. Oh, wait, maybe that's why the germ hasn't been up in the league that much or has done much at the NHL level because Coots is a doctor, and each time the germ goes up there, he keeps him in check. He just throws like, hey, a multicolored pill at him and he disappears. <laughs> yeah, he throws a notepad at him. He's like, Hey, get out of here. He's just gotta, all right. We're keeping this. We're keeping this locker room healthy, so don't you know? Just don't go do stuff. Whatever jersey the germ is wearing, Doctor Couturier will come up if he's wearing an orange jersey. He'll throw an orange pill at him, and then the germ <laughs> just disappears into thin air. This is, and that's, and that's canon. That's what everybody knows that. 
and then the power play, two for five. Uh, nine times the season, the Flyers have scored two power play goals or more in a game. Uh, and I thought the power play on Saturday looked pretty good. Uh, it felt like they're getting more chances. I liked uh, they had Couturier in the JVR spot, or at least on one of the power plays, the one I saw here. And usually they just have the guy go out to the right to catch a pass, but he went below the goal line to take a pass off the sidewall from Borchek. That allowed him to pass it back to the point to Provorov, who slid it over to Drew on the left for a one-timer. Uh, they've done that a couple times over the last couple games. The passing below the goal line and also Drew on the left, I think that's going to lead to more power play success. Uh, that's what I got for the Lightning game. For the Blue Jackets game, it was the Flyers' third straight game where they lost the shot times four percentage battle. Not exactly in the world, but just saying. They got lucky. Uh but also, like I said before, I feel like the Flyers have had a lot of games this year where they had no luck at all. Uh, games where they throttled opponents, almost doubled up in shots, would reach 40 shots, and goalies you don't know, or goalies you know, still in their head. Flyers are just missing chances, and just stupid things would happen. The Flyers are due for a couple of games coming back that way like that. The Flyers are I, due for an entire season of games where they actually yeah, have luck. And honestly... Way. Yeah, and I'll say, wouldn't mind if it started coming back now. Uh, this would be a good week to start getting all that luck back. Uh, be some nice timing. It... So I have a, a recap of the Blues game that I would like to, to give. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, right so it's 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 Elvis-themed, which everybody really wants some Elvis-themed oh, stuff for oh, El- yes. Elvis Merlickens. <laughs> everybody was loving the Elvis puns. They wanted them to continue. So I just wanted to say, welcome to the working week, Elvis. But you weren't a miracle, man. I know you can try to blame it on Kane. But Allison's not going to be happy about your sneaky feelings when you played a game where you were less than zero. That's all Elvis Costello, folks. <laughs> Allison. That's my Elvis Costello. Oh my right there. God. That, that was pretty was... good, right? <laughs> it was like a robot singing. The creepiest sound, yeah. That was... <laughs> but that's it. That was my Elvis Costello. Yeah. Again, I no, told it, you only know it was, one song. It was yeah. nice to see them get some luck in the game. I mean, it started early on. Uh, I think it was Hayes who scored off the bat, and it was just like, yeah. that went in? But then Couturier had an even more inexplicable one where we were talking about it earlier. He deked, he deked, and then it looked like he was going to go for the backhand, and I think later on he in, in interviews he said that he was going for the backhand, and he didn't. It just, <laughs> just Puck just, <laughs> just traveled. <laughs> Merzlikens was waiting. He, he compensated for another move. Nope. And just yep. drifted on in. And then uh, a very so Briz Galoff like goal let in by the Let's just dunk on Briz all night. All friggin' night. Yeah, yeah, fuck him. I don't care. Yeah. Fuck him. Absolutely. That was Jason Kelsey style. <laughs> fuck him. Uh, so Hayes and Gatoria's goals. And then Myers got a goal too. Uh, got a break too. All these goals, uh, by the way, you know, I'm saying we're saying they're lucky, but. They were all good plays where they just got the right. Like Hayes was centering a pass across, or yeah, centering a pass across the slot, and it just bounced off the dude. And it bounced off Andrew Pigskate, hit Merzlikens in the helmet, and then went in. Katoria again was a breakaway, and it is Sean Katoria on a breakaway. The dude's got, guy's got mitts, so he can probably beat anybody on a breakaway. The Myers goal was an amazing keep by Sandheim. Uh, I don't. I really thought that puck was going to go the other way. I thought it was going to be a, a breakaway for the Blue Jackets just because two Blue Jackets were flying full speed at Sanheim and he was able to move the puck forehand backhand and then pass it across or backhand forehand and move it to Myers on the right wall and he walked in and banked. And then he got lucky because he banked the shot off somebody and then uh, connected his one-handed redirection where uh, Hegg took a shot at the point 
and connect me was not in front of the net, just threw out a stick, it hit off his stick and then redirected five hole on um, Resilience. So, uh, and speaking of that shot, so Robert Hag, again, I, I went on the whole, the Hag rant last week. Uh, he was only on the ice for one flyer shot at five and five, one flyer shot on goal at five and five. He was on the ice for 13 blue jacket shots on goal at five and five. So when he was on the ice, the flyers got out of shot one to 13. This was his one shot on that. So he ended up plus one last night, but while he was on the ice, the team was minus 12 in shots. So again, I don't think all this good luck is going to keep going for heck. I feel like he's had a few of these games sprinkled in here. There are some games where he's been fine. And when he's on the ice, fires drive play, he's crushing that, getting rebounds for goals. He's doing a good job clearing the crease. And it's notable in a lot of some of these games. I want to say a lot, but yeah. Brother, you keep underestimating Robert Haig, and he's going to put you in a body bag. (laughs) Body bag. So I'm waiting for, I know I'm going to get lit up tomorrow by the, uh, the hag hit man. They're coming for you. For it. Yeah, and they're gonna they're gonna bury me pretty quick. And I mean, the, honestly, at this point, speed it up. You know, I don't. You know, uh, but the Flyers had five <laughs> goals on fifteen shots. <laughs> five goals. The master of depression oh. strikes again. <laughs> oh, he's back. Master. Baby. Hashtag. Oh fuck! I wish I had that LeBron James hashtag. Anyway, fifteen shots on goal. Five <laughs> goals on fifteen. Lowest shot total in a game this season. They were outshot twenty-nine to fifteen. It's their second worst uh, shot differential of the season. It's their worst for a win. They're, the worst differential of the season was they got outshot 38-22 to 22 in the fourth game of the season against the Flames. So I don't remember. That was the first game where the Flyers looked like the Hackstall era Flyers, and it was AV's fourth game. So everybody's like, oh, same old fucking team. Same then, old Flyers. Uh, same old Flyers. Uh, seven of the 15 shots, by the way, came from defensemen. That's another thing. So only eight shots last night came from forwards. Myers had three, Proveroff had two, Braun had one, Miskinen had one. Um, and then I guess Hags doesn't count because it got redirected. So that goes to connect me. Um, so again, yeah, I guess eight of them were thrown on net by the defenseman. First time they had 15 shots on goal or less since a 2-0 win against the Kings in L.A. on February 1st of 2014. Wayne Simmons scored and had a two-point game. Uh, and there have been 28 games where they have recorded 15 shots on goal or less uh, in franchise history, 20 regular season games and eight playoff games. And just because we're talking about low shot totals, uh, the lowest shot total Flyers have ever recorded for a single game, and still one of my favorite games ever, game five of the 2016 Eastern Conference Finals against the Caps in D.C., 11 shots on goal. Oh yeah, the, the quarterfinals game where it was, yeah. uh, uh, oh god, um, Michael Neuwirth. <laughs> Michael Neuwirth in one of his ten healthy games as a Philadelphia Flyer with an incredible <laughs> shutout. That game still doesn't make sense to me at all. No, uh, and Ryan White scored right after a power play because we I was talking to Kyle about this in the Slack. I scored right after a power play, and it was a shot where he was turning around, banked it off a, a cap skating in, and then a Vandevelde empty netter. And that was the difference. That extended a playoff series. Everything I just said happened in real life and then elongated a playoff series. So that is, uh, that all happened. Uh, the top six, though, last night, even though uh, the low shot totals, top six did pretty well in terms of driving play. Uh, Drew Katori and Voracek rebounded from uh, Saturday's game. They had a 56.25 shots, four percentage, shot attempts, four percentage, 53.96, expected goals, four percentage. And had one goal and none against where they are on the ice in 1243. 
of work going up against Nyquist, Kevin Stenland, and Oliver Bjorkstrand. Oh, so of that course. Was yeah, so Kevin Stenland is somebody who is probably going to get moved up the lineup when we talk about something later in the show. Faraby Hayes and Konechny, 63.16 shot attempts, 4 percentage. Two goals for none against in twelve twenty seven. So yeah, that that line rebounded pretty well. I I kind of like Hayes and connected together. I like that line as is. I feel like Fairby can do a little bit of everything. I feel like Hayes can control play all over the ice, and that connect me can be set up. And oh, connect me also creates for himself, obviously. But I feel like that line's got a lot of elements. Uh, I like to a successful uh, Flyers forward line. Yeah, no, um, I'm a fan. Provorov, oh yeah, we talked about Provorov getting hit in the uh, the skate. Also, the goal that got waved off, speaking of Faraby too, I thought that goal should have stood. Obviously, it didn't, and the Flyers still not exactly the luckiest with those goal interference calls, but uh, obviously Faraby made contact, but I think uh, your boy Vlasov Gavrikov pretty much forced him into the contact. And also, it was one of those goals where uh, Elvis wasn't making the save. So, like, Both my favorites. You know, yeah, what do we <laughs> yeah, Elvis Sam Gavrikov. Yeah, that's a one-two punch. Uh, and I'll, and hopefully Provorov, like we were saying before, does stay in the lineup because if he's out, first of all, fuck. But also because he's played 306 straight games and he's working on playing another full 82-game season uh, this year. Uh, power play is one for one. Second game this year, they had only one power play and registered a power play goal. The other one was a 7-3 loss to Winnipeg. That really fun loss back in the middle of December. We unfortunately talked about it on the uh, the forecast. Uh, Drew had a multi-point game, back-to-back multi-point games. He had two points against the Lightning as well. Going into that Caps game, the dominant 7-2 Caps win, Drew had a 13-game goal drought with only five assists in that time and had a four-game point drought. Now, since the Washington game, he's had 11 points in the last six games with three goals and eight assists and four multi-point games, one of them being a three-point game, which was the one against Washington. He's now on pace for 62 points. Um, Faraby had his second multi-point game of the season, his first two-assist game in the NHL. His first multi-point game was his two-goal game against the Avs earlier this month. Voracek registered his 13th multi-point game of the season. He's on pace for 61 points right now. Oh, yeah, Myers. Let's talk about Myers real quick. And then I can skip these uh, other... Other stupid stats. Uh, Myers <laughs> ended his 35-game goal drought uh, by backing a shout off Andrew Peek. And then Andrew Peek had a rough night at the office. But Myers, uh, so last goal was in the 3-2 shootout win over Boston in Boston on November 10th. Players that now have the longest goal drought in the Flyers organization. Frost has gone 18 games without a goal. Stewart has gone 16 games without a goal. And the player that is currently in the top 12, Bunneman, has gone 14 games now without a goal. Um, Did Stewart only play 16 games? Yep. Yeah, Stewart's uh, <laughs> Stewart style on his zero goals, one assist, 16 games. Yeah, so it's, uh, he's doing good. He's doing good. Uh, yeah, by the way, I just want to point out that now he's in the AHL. There hasn't really been too many problems with the uh, <laughs> the bottom six. Yeah. Oh, hard uh, 12th game this season where he allowed one goal or less in the 29 games where he's played the majority of the game. It's not bad. If half the time you're in net, the team only sees one goal against. I feel like a lot of teams can probably work with that. A lot of teams can probably work with that goals, uh, goal against total if you give it to them. So uh, hopefully the heart keeps rolling. Not too, not too shabby at all. So it looks like whenever he figures out that road stuff, it's uh, the, I'm a little more excited for next season because I feel like the home road splits won't be as drastic, and I feel like some pieces will be back and speaking of that you want to you want to talk about this trade deadline steve we have some trades already we do have a trade tonight uh and the flyers trade 
They traded uh, JF Ruby, goaltender in the AHL, in division to the New York Rangers for uh, 21-year-old forward uh, future considerations. So that is the big block, blockbuster trade right now. I've said uh, it once, and I'll say it again. Should have kept Baruby. Same. Yeah, watch this. And now Just you know what's going to happen. Giving away all the good Barubis. You know, one of them wins a cup. I think this guy's the next one to win. I, look, this is not a big deal. Who gives a shit? <laughs> look, Craig Baruby left, won a cup with the Blues. J.F. Baruby leaves. He's going to be the head coach of the Oilers when they win. we got to stop trading people. They're all going to go on and win. It's so... Anyway, JFB is part of the NYR right now. Uh, that does... doesn't mean anything at the NHL level, but it does open up a spot for Krill Ustamenko, a.k.a. Lil Uzi Vert, uh, to move up from the ECHL to the AHL, and he's been having a pretty decent season in the ECHL. He's looked pretty good. Sandstrom is a little underwhelming, considering what we expect from out this year, and this is his first year in the AHL and everything. Sandstorm a... is no sandstorm so far. <laughs> like how we both went for the shitty instrumental. Of that. Oh, yeah, it's sandstorm. <laughs> uh, D-Tech-Mexico had a couple rough weeks earlier in the season, but he's right the ship. He's looked pretty good. Pretty good recently. So I, I'm excited to see how Yustamanko does in the AHL. Uh, I do like what the Flyers have in Ursan and Yustamanko. And I'm not, I guess I'm not giving up on Sandstrom yet, but he hasn't. I, I think our, our uh, prospect for the site, uh, Jay, uh, Jay Dog, isn't necessarily the biggest Sandstrom fan. So I usually lean with what he says. To, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll lean that way too. So, Jay Dog out. Flyers, the Jay Bird, yeah. So areas of concern for the Flyers, though. Uh, well, first of all, I guess I'll throw this out there to you, Steve, because I think we've already kind of discussed it. But you want? Do you want the Flyers to add or stay pat in the next couple of days? Do you think they are? I don't want to say good as they are, but do you think there is an opportunity for them to better themselves, and it's a realistic way to improve the team in terms of cap space and uh, not throwing away too many assets and yada yada yada? Do you think the team should add this year? Do you think they should stay pat? If they don't get Jack Eichel, I am just gonna throw myself out of window. Look, that trade, I'm doing that trade in a heartbeat. I'm doing Everything that trade right now. Couturier, what does he even do? I don't understand. Thank you. Uh, no. Number one, Jack Eichel is not being traded. Number two, we have that was a stupid trade proposal. Number three, I like. Why am I, I even like. talking about this beyond joking? Uh, in all seriousness, I. Am a okay with the Flyers standing pat and rolling with the roster they have, not giving away any assets for a rental that probably isn't going to make that much of a difference. I think if the Flyers are going to succeed and win a round or two in the postseason, I think it's mainly going to be based on the talent they already have on the team. Drew, Hayes, Konechny, Provorov, Hart, those kind of guys are really... I think, you know, obviously Sean Couturier, Jake Voracek. This team's got a lot of great players right now, and those guys are the guys that really are the difference makers at the end of the day. If the Flyers make a trade, it's not really, like, the names I'm seeing thrown around, I've joked about Joe Thornton, Jeff Carter's gotten thrown around. These aren't guys that are going to put the team over the top that are, like, this isn't like if Panarin was available or something. This is just, these are guys that would really help the depth but 
it's not make or break. This is not going to yeah. make or break this team. That's fair. And you mentioned Jeff Carter, so we'll talk about the other, I guess, well, another talking point here. Uh, and 31 thoughts that came out on Tuesday, it was Freeman's fifth thought. So he got four thoughts out of the way, and then he flopped down. Quote, it might come down to Nolan Patrick's health, comma, but I think Philadelphia is considering Jeff Carter. Uh, and we've talked about the addition of Jeff Carter. He just said it, too. And we looked into whether or not uh, it's the it's the rest of his contract, uh, his age, is a little bit of concern. But there is, I still think there's a little bit of that Kovalchuk factor, a little bit of that Tyler Toffoli factor, where apparently the Kings are just, they're just sucking all the offensive energy out of their fucking players. Like they're, they just, there's nothing they can do on the offensive end. And apparently they might as well just stop playing for the rest of the year. Yeah, they might I as mean, well like just they, forfeit refund yeah. everybody's money. Just call it a day for the rest of the year. Yeah. And so uh, we'll see how Tafoli does in Vancouver. Uh, but I think there might be some of that there. My thing. And to go off your point, I think they should stay pad this season too. And it's not like in years past for me where I've pretty much been like, oh, this team sucks. They're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs. Why are we going to ship away the prospects when we're trying to build up the pipeline and rebuild and everything? I've gotten to a point now where if they were, if the Flyers were a little bit better and some of the health of these younger players that are out, they were actually in the lineup when we saw they were contributing, I think I would want to swing for the fences a little bit more here. That's why my, I guess my stance is I'd rather make next year the year that the Flyers make some trades at the deadline. I like the way the team is built right now. I think the two biggest needs, if they were to add, would be 3C or a bottom four left-handed defenseman. Not bottom four, but like a, a second or third pairing defenseman, which is the bottom four. It's just a weird term. But next year, you could have Nolan Patrick healthy, and he might be flourishing in the NHL. Uh, again, Limblom, I'm not putting any timeline on it. I'm not expecting him to play next year, but you, you have no idea. Uh, and they can – it gives – uh, Fletcher more time to kind of negotiate the cap situation because the Flyers are close to the cap right now. Again, to the off season, you figure out a way to. You can have Braun Pitlick and Elliott come off the books. You figure out a way to kind of fill in those roles without spending the same amount of cap, a little bit more cap flexibility, and then if the team has more forward depth and they figure it out on defense, then you can add that one piece or the two pieces that can make them an even bigger threat going into the postseason. I do like this team this year. Um, and if if they knew if Nolan Patrick's health was just a timing thing, like if there was a hardcore set timeline, like he's six weeks away, even right now, if they knew he was going to be back, I would feel more confident about making a trade. And also if there was any kind of cap space, I would be more confident about it. But I think um, I'm saying just to stay pat this year, but it's not for the same reasons. And I know, I mean, I know everybody in the fan base wants them to make trades again because that's what, I mean, that's what we were raised on. Again, you know, I said last week where Clark's kids, like, they, he just, the guy made trades left and right for no goddamn reason. I mean, anybody that he wanted on Let's the Let's make team, some trades. Let's throw all the picks in the world for 15 games, 14 games of Adam Oates. You know, like that kind of stuff. And I know that's still in, you know, the bloodline of a lot of fans and, that's fine. And I want the club to do exciting shit. I just don't know if the, I'd rather them hold on to assets that they could use at next year's deadline for a team that could be even closer and would have maybe a better cap situation with possibly Couturier, Hayes and Patrick down the middle. So then that way they can use it for a top end winger that might be put into the top six. That would be a better option than to Foley that was this year. So that's my stance. Um, 
and again, a lot of the names that have already moved, I felt like would have been the names I kind of would have want is a strong word, but they would have been guys I think I would have been fine with and it made would have made sense for the Flyers this year. But a lot of them are already off the board. And um, I guess for right now, talking about the Flyers, I do want to throw this in there because uh, Corey Prominent from The Athletic threw this out there. Wrote about 10 possible NHL prospects that could be on the move earlier this week. Uh, he listed Vorobiev as one of them, Mikhail Vorobiev. Uh, this is what he said about Vorobiev. So, quote, Vorobiev has been on the NHL bubble the last two seasons, being a good, if not very good, AHL player, but not quite good enough to stick at the top level. He has size, great offensive IQ, and can play at both ends, but lacks NHL-level quickness. I don't sense there would be much of a market for him, but with Morgan Frost getting close to being a full-time player in his expiring contract, Vorobiev would be a logical player to move. Uh, and speaking of the difference between the AHL and NHL for Vorobiev, in the NHL, Vorobiev has five points in 35 NHL games. By the way, he's played 20 games this year. Like, he's played a third of the season. Do you... Anything stick out about Vorobiev? Do you remember a single thing about Vorobiev being in the lineup? Man. So, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I, 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 talk about he, a guy I forgot was even still in the Flyers organization. Just, I, I kind of forgot, too. But I, I, five, So, 35 games on his career. Five points. Two of which are goals. And if you remember the goals... Pretty lucky. His first goal was the second game of the year last year where two abs ran into each other and he dunked the puck into an empty net. Yeah, I saw his goal. The last time I saw his goal was on a YouTube video of top 100 bloopers of 2019. Yeah, and that's one of his two, you know, one of the two goal-producing places at that one. And then the one against the Sabres this year was a one that went off, I think went off two skates or two sticks or skates or whatever and then went in. So that's... So we're looking at Vorobiev. I am kind of moving towards I'm done with him just because he keeps – he's gotten a few shots in the league, and he hasn't done – there's really not even anything about his his game now that makes me want to see more of him. He had a brief stretch earlier in the season uh, when we were still dealing with the Stewarts and Torinskis and um, early Bunneman phase in the bottom six where I was like, Jesus Christ, get new people in there to see what's going on. And I was kind of on him for a couple games to see if he was going to, but he just hasn't, I don't know, he hasn't really done much when he's, the opportunity has been given. So uh, at the NHL level, though, here are some traits. And here are a bunch of guys, not all at the NHL level, but m- most of them. So I'm going to go in order of the big name trades that have happened over the last couple of days. And what a trade deadline this year. Just the biggest <laughs> names. Just all the, all these household names. You, you go and ask any of your family members, Hey, you remember David Quindwell, right? Yeah. Andy Green. These are guys that everybody knows, for, you know, all about hockey. Uh, and uh, Andy Green. So the, the first big trade was Andy Green was traded to the Islanders for David Quindwell and a 2021 second. A lot of picks have been thrown around for these players, which is, uh, again, I, I'm not too hung up on the whole prospects and picks for the Flyers dealing with pieces. But some of these guys, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I would have thrown in a, two pieces for Andy Green, but does play a lot of minutes. Defensive defenseman. Uh, Islanders have been they they feel like the Adam Pellick injury is huge. He's out for the rest of the year with an Achilles tendon injury um, back in early January, and they needed another top four defenseman. And if you're the Islanders and you love boring defensive defensemen who are going to work in your stupid defensive system, Andy Green was the ideal fit. Lou, so, it's a little weird. Yeah, well, yeah, like, it's a, a lot of Lou in that Islanders Devils trade, and uh, it's probably it'll work out for the Islanders because why not? Um, and then Blake it's Coleman, peak Lou, really. Yeah, this is going to be the Islanders are going to pull 
Oh God, dude. The, you don't think the Islanders are going to devil's a cup here. No. They're not going to like, no. I, then I, again, I, I've been an Islanders doubter and hater for the last two years. And this team has inexplicably done much better than I thought. I, I hate, <laughs> hate, hate on the Islanders and the Blue Jackets and yet they still keep hanging around. So maybe yeah. I don't know anything, but I just, I can't fathom the world where the Islanders pull out a cup with this piece of shit roster. <laughs> That's fair. I, I will say I, yeah, we dunk on the, uh, the Islanders and the Blue Jackets a lot. I think the, uh, those two teams though, feel like the Islanders are a, I believe more in there. We're a team that gets defensively shelled. Our goal turner makes all the saves, and we're going to score a few goals and win this game. I believe in the Islander structure more with that because I think Barry Trotz does play a huge a huge factor in that. Oh yeah, definitely. I, and I think there are other team. There are other things about the Islanders that when you watch them play, you understand that it's a lot of the. Anytime there's a goal against the Islanders, either have an extremely strong shift or score or respond to that goal within a minute. And it happened with the, I mean, it happened in the Flyers game last week where they got up, the Islanders dominated the first period. They got three, three nothing, went to their usual defensive shell. Flyers chugged all the way back, made it three to three in the final minute or the second to last minute. And then the Islanders came back and scored seconds later on the next shift. So I, they're just relentless ability to get the game back to even or regain the lead after they give up a goal, I think is what makes them pretty dangerous as well. But I think Andy Green is, that's a fine, that's probably going to be their biggest move, I think. And it's probably the smartest one. And it's going to be the most annoying, but, uh, and then somebody else I do dunk on mainly because he was listed as the third or fourth best player on the devil. Some years, but, uh, Blake Coleman's a pretty good middle six forward going to Tampa Bay. Now in exchange for Nolan foot and a conditional 2020 first, uh, Vancouver owns the pick that went to the Devils. So if the Canucks miss the playoffs this year, it becomes a 2021 pick for the Devils next year. Um, Coleman has already played. Uh, he's already registered his second straight 20 goal season this year. He's, he was playing 17 minutes a night in, uh, in New Jersey, and he's doing pretty well in terms of driving play and underlying numbers and everything on a pretty, pretty bad Devils team. Uh, and again, I know I like the dunk on him, but it was literally. The last couple of years when people were like, I don't know, the Devils, they might be, the Devils are a pretty good team. And then it's like, okay, so who do they have? They'd be like, well, they got Taylor Hall, they got Kyle Palmer, they got Blake Coleman, Jesper Bratt. It's like, all right, so they have two good players. Like, that's where the cut. Like, started Blake off Coleman, great. Yeah, like, Blake Coleman now makes, he will be a, he's not going to be a top five top five player on the lighting but he's a good addition and that makes him even scarier so i Bro, jack hughes is nhl ready from day one <laughs> gonna dominate not even in the calder talk right now not, 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 even, not in the calder means. discussion at all him or him or kako are not even really it's a real shame yeah. it's a real shame they'll they'll, they'll get there Phil. i'm sure they'll be very fun players years, it's, yeah. uh, just right I, right I'm now, enjoying it for this moment. I'm enjoying yeah, it go. for this year because it's one of those. It was so bitter for Flyers fans to see the the Devils and Rangers get one and two, and get guys that uh, you know you'd really love to see the Flyers get a hold of, especially oh, oh, after yeah. the year the Flyers had, and especially you were you were thinking these guys were going to come in, be NHL ready, and just destroy us. And thankfully, that has not happened to this point. But I'm gonna. Knock on wood, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Vancouver. I mentioned them earlier with Wayne Simmons. 
there's apparently a Wade, Wayne Simmons rumor that he could be heading that way. Oh wow! Uh, and it's I would it's love that. Please, please, please do this because I don't want to see him as a devil anymore. It has hurt my soul. Him as a devil hasn't worked out for anybody. Like it upsets us because he's a devil, and then also he's a devil right now. And the devils, I can't imagine that's fun doing whatever they're doing. God knows what they're doing, but it can't be a good time. So uh, Vancouver, though, and he I hasn't like been good for them. He hasn't been good for the Devils either, so it's no, it's all. a lose, yeah. lose, lose. <laughs> the classic three elf. Uh, Tyler Toffoli. Jim Benning is just going hog wild, it sounds like. So I'm, I'm all for it because they are they don't even leave the worst division in hockey, and Jim Benning's like, yeah, we're doing this. Benning Tyler gone Toffoli. wild is the worst DVD giveaway I've ever heard of. It's just him drunk, and they're just asking him, like, would you make this trade? And he's like, fuck yeah, yep. <laughs> Give me another mojito. You give me another mojito and I'll trade for Tim Schaller back. So Tyler Toffoli uh, is heading to the Canucks and in return. Oh man, they got a big, they got a, they got a King's ransom. They got uh, Tim Schaller. That was, by the way, I really got to emphasize. I didn't fucking plan that. And I was just, I got called for the moment. I saw Tim Schaller's name and I was like, I blacked out for a second. Tim Schaller, Tyler Madden, a 2022nd and a 2020. 2022 conditional fourth. So they got four pieces because Tim Schaller is a bad hockey player. Uh, his career high is 22 points in 82 games with Boston back in 17, 18. He's got a cool six points in 51 games this year. And he's not one of those guys that everybody loves because he's always on offense and, or he, whenever he's on the ice, the team always has a puck or he does a lot of little things, right? He's just a player. And I guess uh, the Kings didn't want anybody else actually on the Canucks roster that, Benning was willing to sell. So I uh, decided to take the additional pick and uh, Tim Schaller doing Tim Schaller stuff. Uh, Tyler Madden, though, is a pretty good pick. I think that, or a, a good pickup. He's a 20 year old center. He's taken the third round of 2018. Uh, he was pegged as having a lot of offensive upside when he was drafted. Uh, apparently, he's done nothing but increase that value. Uh, he's injured at the moment with a, with a broken finger, but a ton of offense and creativity. 19 goals, 37 points in 27 games this year at Northeastern University and the NCAA. The Kings do have a lot of of depth down the middle. They have him, they have Lardy, they have uh, Turcotte. Um, they have a lot of names that, uh, again, it's going to be a couple of years, uh, but they're going to be able to, they should, once they get under the weight of all these shitty contracts, they should kind of start heading in the right direction again. It's just going to take a little bit of time to get there. So, uh, this prospect trade, it's not really, I mean, the Rangers made this nothing trade with the Flyers. I don't want to say this is a nothing trade either. I think that both these guys will see in the NHL soon to see if they're able to stay up in the league. But, uh, Julian Gauthier is heading from Carolina to New York for Joey Keane. Uh, Gauthier is a 22 year old forward who has taken 21st overall in 2016, six foot four, 227. And that's all you need to know about his game. He does score a shit ton of goals. Great, but uh, well, I will say he scores a lot of goals. But you can tell it's him just kind of bullying people and getting to the net. And he does have speed for a bigger guy. The for a bigger guy comment, but uh, he does. Uh, yeah, he has 26 goals this season and 44 games for the Checkers. So I think he might get a look here in the NHL this season with the Rangers. Uh, he had one assist in five games with the Hurricanes this season. Also, I remember reading about him for the 2016 draft. His dad apparently was like a like a crazy bodybuilder. So, and he instilled those 
training techniques with Gauthier, so that kind of explains his game. So if you watch his game, you'll be like, oh yeah, that looks like a guy who fucking weight trained his whole life. So uh, Keane, 20-year-old right-hand defenseman. He's already playing in the AHL, 30 points, 49 games with the Hartford Wolfpack. Skates well, physical, is already producing in the AHL. Um, I don't know how good he can be in the NHL. I don't think he's expected to be a top-pair guy, but I I think he's going to get a look here at the end of the season. I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks as like a third third pairing guy, especially with, well, the Rangers guys do score, but uh, continuing with the exciting trades, Dylan DeMello to Winnipeg for a 2023rd. This is right. big news for Winnipeg because they finally have a defenseman. 10 assists, 49 games, averaging 19.55 a night. Uh, that would be the third highest on Winnipeg. Again, we were fucking talking about Dale Mel last week. That's uh, just just think about where this defense was a year ago compared to today. Yeah, yeah, and that, and I think that's why. Yeah, that's why Maurice is saying because they don't. He has a lot to thank for Connor Hellybuck too, but to be able to get a team somewhat competitive and still in the playoff hunt now with these guys on defense, it's uh, it's pretty ridiculous. Um. And then also on defense, too. Unfortunately, I think this might be the best trade I like out of this whole bunch right here. But uh, Brendan Dilling is going to the Caps for a 2022nd and a 2021 conditional third. Dillon, left-hand defenseman, 14 points in 59 games this season with the Sharks, but that's not really what his game is about. Dillon! Dillon, 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 Dillon. He's an effective defensive defenseman that when he's on the ice, his team actually pushes play. So he, when he's on the ice, the team isn't going to have a lot of chances against, and also he's going to help limit those chances and shot attempts against while he's on the ice. So for the Caps, looking at their lineup, uh, I think he goes on the top pair with Carlson. And then they have left, right, all the way down their lineup with Dylan Carlson as your top pair, Michael Kempney, and Nicholas Jensen as your second pair, and then Dmitry Orloff and uh, Rako Gudis as your third pair. I and that defense sounds pretty good to me, considering that Carlson is having Carlson's getting some Norris love for his. Uh, he's an offensive defenseman. Um, I think that's safe to say. Like he isn't exactly an all-around defenseman, but he leans more on the offensive side. And like Dylan he's up there in points. The for the yeah, he's up there players. in points. Yeah, like he's and he's having a monster season. So if you get a guy that's going to be responsible and kind of clean up some of the defensive issues to kind of let him do his thing a little more i think uh, i think that's not the worst approach if you're the cap i mean i like that the caps have just looking at this defense and i think it's six straight years it's six or seven straight years now apparently the caps have traded for a d man at the deadline and i mean dylan was this year company was two years ago and they won and uh jensen was last year so company has worked out i he, maybe not the last couple seasons but the year he was traded for he had a monster he was a big reason why the Cavs won the win. And uh, Jensen was pretty decent last year, too, after the pickup. So thinking Dylan fits in and the Cavs become more annoying uh, going forward. Moving on to the next trade. There's only t- three more. The Marco Scandella one. This is the one I don't understand at all because he's bad. And then the <laughs> Blues gave up two picks for him. They gave up a 2022nd, conditional 2021 uh, fourth. And uh, not good. I didn't even look at He's just not good. Um, I mean, the Flyers, we've been talking the last couple weeks about adding a left-hand defenseman to play on the second or third pair didn't even think about marco scandela like wasn't even the name that came to mind and uh apparently armstrong was like yeah let's do this um the scan man the scan man uh 
Dennis Mulligan to the Maple Leafs for Mason Marchment. Sure, those are some names. Uh, and then Alec Martinez was traded to the Golden Knights, another name I thought the Flyers might be interested in, for a 2020 second and 2021 second as well. So two seconds. Uh, Martinez, I think I talked about a little bit last week, not having the best season, not doing too great. Uh, 32-year-old left-hand defenseman. He's got one more year at $4 million. Eight points in 41 games this season. Just not the same dude that he was when the Kings won, which makes sense because he's 32. He does, however, ensure that Derek Anglin isn't going to see the top four for the, the Golden Knights. And I think that's a big win when it comes down to it, even if Martinez isn't what he used to be or even a net positive, perhaps. But like, anything better than Derek Anglin. Anglin was a guy that I never thought was even that good when he was with Pittsburgh. And he, he's he's been good for Vegas, I mean, relatively speaking. But you always look at that that when you see that name in the lineup you're like oh, they got to do better than that like this is a team that I, I really have not understood the success of the Vegas Golden Knights largely <laughs> because of kind of all the spare parts they got and how well they've done with those spare parts so it, it is good for them to to make this upgrade here yeah I, and i will like the thing with England too was when you look at they still have a good chunk of the defense when they got in the expansion draft and look at the team that made it to the cup. I mean, that was just a lot of flurry. And then just like these guys that were suboptimal, like defensemen elsewhere had did fine. They were kind of having like a Robert Haig type season where they were there and the puck just wasn't going in when they're on, they were on the ice. And I feel like that's, that's been Anglin's entire career. So he's just been bad his entire career, except for, maybe a little bit lucky, maybe a little too much love at the beginning of this bag of stuff. But I think the defensive success they had early on has kind of come down back down the earth, but they've added, they've added a lot of good pieces since, uh, I mean, they got Patrick Reddy and they got Mark Stone. Like I get now why they're where they're at now makes more sense to me than the first year. Nobody fucking expected the golden Knights to go anywhere that first year. That was my, that was one of my favorite things about the, um, you know, like, uh, when they made the Stanley cup, everybody was retweeting articles about how the, the golden Knights were, were bad. And like how they were going to be this terrible team for years. And like all this stuff, like making fun of the writers that were like saying how the golden Knights were going to be bad, but weren't too many people retweeting their own tweets about like how they thought the golden Knights were going to be good. Cause nobody was saying they were going to be good. Like, oh like, yeah. That William Carlson pick is really going to come through. Yeah, literally nobody. There was no like one voice. So it's just like I think they're gonna be good. Like everybody was just like, well, yeah, it's like Smash Team. They're gonna suck. And I then... think Nate Schmidt's gonna be a, a number one defenseman for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, all these things. They were like, yeah, Jonathan Marsh. So definitely a top line player. He's not. They're not. Yeah, yeah, they got this. Pierre so. Edward Belmar, definitely the heart and soul of this team. <laughs> I mean, Flyers I wanna... fans knew that because we love Pierre Edward Belmar. Frenchy, the greatest flyer of all time. <laughs> so the guy who should have been captain. Great on defense. A little bit of love for Pebbles, yeah. You know, uh, you know he I, was great on defense because he was out there on the penalty kill and in those crunch time moments. And why would a coach put him out there in those important situations if he wasn't good defensively? That would just be crazy. I also like that his biggest draw as a flyer was the penalty kill, like during a time when the flyer's penalty kill was the fucking worst in the league. Like one of the worst penalty kills out there. Well, he's out there and letting in a ton of goals. He must be great at this. I will say I did used to lump Belmar and Vandevelde together. I would like, I don't want to redo. 
I would like to see Belmar. I wish the situation with Belmar in Philly was a little different where it wasn't him under Hackstall. Because I feel like he would have been a little more enjoyable to watch here. I think it was just him constantly being tied to Vandevelde that has such a bad taste left in my mouth, I guess. Like, I would have, because he's been fine, and I thought he was fine in Vegas, and I think he's doing fine in Colorado. Like, I, I don't know. Would have liked to see him maybe in a little bit more ideal situation, but that's neither here nor there, Steven. Uh, Only got a fair shot here. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, But it's, uh, speaking of fair shots, there's no way I can make a segue. Let's talk about why the Blue Jackets suck. (laughs) They, well, first of all, Tuesday's game. And then also, there's this situation going on with them right now where, uh, so we talked about Liam Fowdy, uh, their 2018 pick on the forecast and how he had only played a couple games. Apparently, according to Aaron Portsline, the uh, uh, the athletic, uh, the Blue Jackets athletic writer, has said that Liam Fowdy is going back down to the Junior Knights in the OHL, or the London Knights uh, Junior League OHL for games on Thursday and Friday, meaning he's not going to play in the game tomorrow, today when you're listening, against the Blue Jackets, which forced Yarmo Kikalainen to go out and sign Stefan Matteau. Matteau! Uh, Matteau! Yeah, yeah. So, two-year deal with a cap hit of 700K for each season. I, You know, you didn't have to make it two years. You could have just, yeah, I, I don't know just made it until the end of the yeah. year and called it a day. And he apparently, a 25-year-old uh, American left winger, Rock Flag and Eagle, uh, has 28 points, 12 goals, and 16 assists this year. 47 games with the Cleveland Monsters, which are the Blue Jackets AHL club. Yep, so he didn't have an NHL deal at all, and they did sign him today. So maybe this is like a, hey, if you sign for the rest of the year, well, I don't know. What, yeah, I don't know what the two years is about anyway. But since the start of the 2016-17 season, he's played a cool eight games in the league, all with the Vegas Gold Knights, speaking of things they got in the fucking expansion draft, uh, where he had an assist in 2017-18. Apparently, he's expected to play for the Blue Jackets tomorrow. Uh, and... That's going to be hilarious because he just hasn't played in the league in forever. And really, nah. he, I, I don't know what – there was a lot of hype. When, not a lot of hype, but he was, he's was he been pretty overrated his whole career. So I say that now and you know he's going to have two goals tomorrow because why not. But when you're wondering, like, how does this even happen to him, a ton of injuries. All the injuries on the team. Uh, I mean, I listed all the injuries, but you can tell the forwards here. Seth Jones, Cam Atkinson, James Corpusalo, Ryan Murray, Alexander Venberg, Josh Anderson, Alexander Texier. Dean Kukin and Brandon Dubinsky are all out for the Blue Jackets uh, right now. Things aren't things haven't really been that great for the Blue Jackets the last couple of days. Hopefully that doesn't change on Thursday. But uh, pretty banged up. Goaltending finally looks like uh, it's, it's coming back down to earth. Finally getting that PDO swing in the right direction. And uh, now you're uh, going into a key game for uh, playoff positioning with uh, Stefan Matteau in your top 12. So there you go. That's It doesn't it's not what I would call a good time. It's not a position I like to see the Flyers in. Like, I wouldn't be pumped if they were like, well, we need a forward. Uh, we're, so, we're signing Joe Vitale. He's coming on up. He's going to do this right here. I feel like I would be pretty upset about that. I mean, it's basically the yeah. Eagles wide receiving court this year, right? <laughs> it kind of, more or less, yeah. Yeah, this is the, the – I it's Greg Wardish. Yeah, I'd say – I feel like the Liam Fowdy move was kind of like a Greg Ward move where they are like, we have literally – fucking can this guy catch a pass let's put him out there that's kind of what the these are just my thoughts coming from a sports junkie regardless my own sport i play well i i'm in sports yeah i was gonna say we're both in sports i think we're allowed to yeah uh uh and speaking of the blue jackets too i just this isn't why they suck i just wanted to talk about this trade because i don't think we've ever talked about this trade 
on the podcast and it's still one of the, I, I just enjoy the whole idea of it but uh, former Blue Jackets GM Scott Housen will select as the next president and CEO of the AHL. He'll start his tenure on July 1st of 20, later this year. Uh, currently the director of player development for Edmonton, according to the AHL release. Uh, when he was the GM of the Blue Jackets, they weren't very good. Not he a good team. He sucked. He was bad. And uh, that's kind of highlighted by the Rick Nash trade. Uh, Rick Nash, who was the face of the franchise, the clearly the best Blue Jackets player in history then, and still now probably yeah, i would uh, i would agree with that yeah for yeah um but in july of 2012 got brand dubinsky artem anisimov tim erickson and a 2013 first which they turned into kirby reichel and he was no warren i'll tell you about that uh but yeah that was that was his big trade and go ahead and look at it not not a great return for your franchise player no. but the thing i wanted to talk about was apparently at the 2012 draft 2012 draft where the blue jackets were picking second and the Islanders had the fourth overall pick. Um, the uh, Garth Snow at the time offered Housen the fourth and every other Islanders pick in the draft to move up the two so they could draft Griffin Reinhardt. <laughs> just two just two of the greatest minds of their generation going up against each other for a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Or I forget if they were trying to trade for Ryan. I don't fucking know. The whole thing is this trade was... It's just an obnoxious idea that looking back on it, both the GMs somehow lost this interaction because Garth Snow just looks crazy if he was trying to trade all those picks for either Ryan Murray or Griffin Reinhardt. And then also Scott Housen turned it down. And now we know what Griffin Reinhardt and Ryan Murray are. So now it's just a, it was a lot of, it was just a lot of heat to bring for one pick. So, and again, you know, the draft picks may not work out and everything, but that 2012 draft, you go back and you look at some of those later picks, Matt Murray and Ghost were in the third round. Um, some other guys went late in that draft. Like, Well, it's funny to look yeah, at, really it's funny to look at the top 10 picks from this draft and, and kind of see how oh, a lot God. of those worked out because like Nail Yakupov didn't work out. No, uh, Galchenyuk still not looking good. Yeah. Galchenyuk, <laughs> Griffin Reinhardt, who we just mentioned, uh, Dumbo has been good. I, I like Dumbo. Dumbo's, yeah, Dumbo's. Truba. Probably... Truba's good. Yeah. Riley's pretty good. But, like, oh, yeah, yeah. your top 10, there's, like, there, there's nobody that's great, really, out of this top 10. Like, no. there's I... there's some really good players, but there's nobody that's great. Like, Philip Forsberg comes up. He's been really good. Uh, yeah, and he was somebody that fell. Yeah, somebody <laughs> that fell. somebody that should have been, like, he was hyped up, too. He should have been a higher pick. I don't know how he, but. Um... Tom Wilson, the greatest NHL player of all time. <laughs> I'm sorry, the greatest trash can of all time. <laughs> Cody Cece. The, uh, that, those top three, though. Yakupov, Ryan Murray, Alex Galchenyuk. Man, that, that might be the worst top three of our lifetime. Like, those three collectively, the amount of success they have or had in the NHL is just not going to be. I mean, I think Ryan Murray is the best one out of that and he is like a guy i would want as my four like he's <laughs> the other two yakupov was one of the biggest bust ever and then galchaniak is just gonna keep bouncing around from nhl team to nhl team until he gets 20 goals again so i the lonely man uh yeah <laughs> scott Housen sucked yeah he, he wasn't good but uh that's 
That's why the Blue Jackets suck. Uh, and the uh, Flyers have a pretty good big game yesterday. Or tomorrow. Jesus. They have a big game tomorrow. Thursday night in Columbus against the Blue Jackets. Steven, how we feel? I'm feeling, feeling good. Deep. I'm feeling good. I'm I think good. I think the Blue Jackets are frauds. They're frauds. There we go. Give it to them. I believe they're on a six-game losing streak now. Thanks. Well, to let's make it seven. Angeles. Let's make it seven, and let's hope Stefan Matteau is not going to go fucking nuts. I hope. Uh, I hope he just has a terrible turnover, and then the announcers start screaming Matteau, Matteau, Matteau after he gets scored on. So I know you're. <laughs> I'm just imagining it from the the Blue Jackets' point of view, where it's like Matteau, Matteau, <laughs> Matteau. <laughs> All right, buddy. Let's do this batch update and get out of here because as we all know these are all just our thoughts coming from a sports junkie regardless my own sport my play yeah yeah and again i know this isn't sports but we're gonna we're gonna talk about the bachelor hopefully people that aren't you know outside of sports are all right with that so the uh, batch update the bu coming at you uh quote this week was hometown was hometown week where pilot pete visits the hometowns of families of the final four contestants first up is hannah ann to prepare pete for hannah's Manly Dad, whose occupation is a forester, they go to a bar and throw axes at a target. This gives Pete some time to man up and get some reps in with the axe. When they meet Hannah's family, they tell her dad about this date and he couldn't give a shit. <laughs> so there you go. Apparently, uh, Hannah Ann's family not impressed with throwing axes. Have you ever thrown axes, by the way? I have thrown axes. Yeah, they, I did it. I've thrown axes bat- twice. I threw it at a bachelor party. I threw it at more of a casual yeah. setup. And... Uh, the the more casual setup we had uh one one of the targets is called the kill shot you could only hit the kill shot for points on the last shot and you had to declare it beforehand and go kill shot and uh, <laughs> i hit it and for the rest of the night i was kill shot steve oh shit nice i don't have as cool a store i just remember throwing i just remember throwing axes in canada i went to montreal for a bachelor party and that's what was one of the things we did before doing another fucking uh, montreal stuff so that's what you do in montreal kill shot. yeah kill shot. yeah there's a yeah there's a lot to do in montreal so i was focused on the other stuff so. not speak french yeah that was one of the main things i did that apparently uh montreal people not not too fond of they kind of like when you speak french but um you know this is america get used to it next pete goes to iowa to meet kelsey's family i don't remember anything about this part aside from when pete encounters a crab rangoon for the first time in his life he is downright baffled what? I... Wait, wait. The, the pilot Pete, the man of the man of the world, pilot Pete, has flown everywhere. I'm just assuming. The himself. I'm assuming all of this about him. This <laughs> this dumb motherfucker has no idea what a crab rangoon is. <laughs> this DMFer doesn't know shit about CRs, and it's kind of pissing me off. Crab rangoon is a very basic Chinese food, you know. It is staple yeah, right it, there. I it's part of my critical whenever I get Chinese food, uh, which it hasn't been in a while actually been a while i should probably do that let's get chinese food together and we'll get all the crab rangoon all right I'm, yeah, fuck, yeah sounds good to me it's yeah. the fly uh, crab rangoon party sponsored by <laughs> whatever chinese place wants to pay to have us there and eat crab rangoon who is listening somebody set that up uh crab rangoon and sesame chicken all right my that's like the, the one-two punch it's a good combo with a uh, a barks root beer, it's probably like a good dinner. Uh, I'm a root beer guy. I'll get down some root beer. Root I'm not gonna hold good. back. Everything throw a little yeah, bourbon, yeah. some root beer. It's a good time. Oh, but yeah. Uh, and then after that, so Pilot Pete. Let's continue on. Pilot Pete then flies down to Alabama to meet Alabama. Madison and her family. Roll tide, roll. Uh, they go. 
Oh, actually, the opposite. They go to Auburn University's basketball stadium. Madison's dad is the assistant coach of the men's team, and Madison plays on the women's team. Holy shit. Pete and Madison are greeted by a personal video from the round mound of rebound himself, Charles Barkley. Oh, that's not terrible. Lessons from Bruce Pearl, Auburn's head coach. This motherfucker gets to meet Charles Barkley and Bruce Pearl. He probably doesn't even know. Hold on, let's see. Pistol Pete looks very confused, but also drains the three somehow. Later, they go to Madison's parents' house for dinner, where the family has set out a, quote, compliment plate, end quote. Whoever gets gets it has to receive compliments from everyone at the table before eating. We also find out Madison is saving herself for marriage. This, right, so this very is southern. This is the most southern blurb I think we've ever had the Bachelor update. So, All right. Let me but, start um, with compliment plate. My yeah, family... My family, whatever the opposite of a compliment plate is, my family, my oh, family does the opposite. Is whoever has a plate is getting insulted in some way during dinner. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if you don't Lewis. cry, then you're good. If this idea was ever brought up to, yeah, if my family, if they, we would pretend like we were about to do it, and then we would just shit on whoever had the plate. It would be the exact opposite. <laughs> so. uh, I also, I also do want to point out that again. Ian did this, the mound, the round mound of rebound, uh, or the mound round of rebound. I forget which one it is. I, I love that nickname for Chuck. Oh, uh, I don't know why nickname. that's like one of the funniest. Yeah. Cause it's, but cause also, you're calling him round. That's why it's funny. He's <laughs> just like, yeah, he's just getting a lot of boards. Getting a lot of boards is a big guy. I mean, Very I'm relatable, just jealous so. he met Charles Barkley. Like, I don't even care about the beautiful women Anything. and <laughs> flying around the world, seeing scene at Cleveland. Any of that stuff, I'm just jealous he met Charles Barkley. <laughs> just like hanging out with a bunch of women on the bachelor, just like turn the chuck. You're like, can you tell me about the dream team? What happened with the dream team? Tell me more about that. <laughs> also, Chuck, tell so me I about can... Space Jam. <laughs> Were the monsters real? Also, uh, so I can How's relate Danny to Charles DeVito's Barkley. Voice? <laughs> relate can relate to chuck for being a big man just grabbing boards like a fucking monster because that was just that was main wreck basketball chuck, and then also chuck tell me tell me about hanging out with seinfeld's newman wayne knight <laughs> dennis nedry himself from jurassic park it's all i'm just asking about wayne knight for two hours <laughs> Oh god. Do you think do you think Newman has a biography? Like do you think he has a big enough career where it's like people need to hear my story? I would read it. I feel I would I'm not saying I wouldn't read it. I'm just saying do you think he's do you think he has enough of an ego now like I think if he yeah, hasn't some shit. If he hasn't written it he he needs to. He needs to, whoever is setting up our Chinese food reservations needs to also get in touch with Newman. We'll get the well, and, I was gonna and say you know what you call it. You know what you call it. A night's tale. Well, I'm going to go back to making jokes about myself right now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was going to say, I can relate to Chuck because he's fat and gets rebounds. I can relate to Bruce Pearl because what the first thing that comes to my mind for Bruce Pearl is years ago, he sweat through a suit on the sidelines. And I'll tell you what, folks, your boy can sweat. I am, I am the sweat king. I sweat like nobody's business. And uh, between the two of us, it's it's got to be bad news on a hot it's, day. It's gross. Yeah, it smells like a football like locker room. We yeah, will not. We will not have any flight verbally events where the temperature <laughs> is over ninety degrees. Thank you. There's not going to be any outside tennis or croquet tournaments or anything. It's going to be a lot of insides. We're going to have air conditioning contests to see who can sit inside with air conditioning the longest. That's going to be our goal. So, uh, moving on to the next uh, BU update. Blurb. Uh, Pete then goes to Virginia Beach to see Victoria F's family. First, they walk on a boardwalk and take those photos where you dress up in really old clothes. Under the boardwalk. 
<laughs> after onto the boardwalk. After they part, some rando tells Peter to be careful of Victoria F. because she's fucked up a lot of relationships across town. Naturally, Pete asks Victoria about this. She gets mad, gaslights him, and runs away. Pete doesn't meet her family. Well, holy shit, that's a Ooh, little drama. Uh, this, uh, uh, who would have expected that on The Bachelor? But uh, I also like how a random guy comes up and is like, hey, don't date that girl. And then he's like, you know what? I'm going to start asking questions now. I should probably go into this. Hey, it's you see her? I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing to hear at a bar. <laughs> hey, the girl you're talking to? Yeah, just, you know, uh, you know eh, think about it. That's all. I think a hard pass would be the, the right call here. She's within earshot. You're like, mm, I think I'd move on if I were you. Don't. Uh, last one. All the contestants are flown into L.A. to meet at an airport hangar for the rose ceremony. Pete sends Kelsey home. Uh, I don't. Next week is quote overnights end quote where Pete gets to spend the night alone with each contestant if they both decide to do so. Sounds like fucking Pete's gonna be living the dream next week. That's what that sounds like. I have no idea like what else will go into that. Also, was Kelsey the one from Des Moines? I missed the. the There's no way to tell. That, yeah, it's Kelsey or Kelly or something. It, it does not matter. There's 14 Hannahs, Kelsey, Kelly, Mildred. You know, what's going on? Is this the same Hannah Ann? I know we've been talking about one since last year. Is this I, the same I, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad they're going to have slumber parties next week. I, I'm excited yeah, for the slumber yeah, parties. I hope Pilot yeah. Pete wears his aviation gym jams, and it's, it'll be great. I feel like it's just going to be like the biggest collage of just awkward. Well, this is pretty much for the Bachelor. It's just a whole collage of awkward conversations. So I imagine that's going to carry into next week. So uh, stay tuned, folks. We'll see what's uh, see what's going on then. But uh, anywho, let's do around the week, Steve. Uh, and before you stop listening to me, I was going to ask you about Bruce Boudreau a little bit. So let's. Bruce Boudreau got fired. Uh, he was 27, 23, and 7 when he was fired. Uh, Definitely finished. not 27 years old. Definitely not. You can tell he has. I don't think he ever was 27. I think <laughs> no, he was no, he was not. Old. He just has the look of an old guy. Yeah. Finished 158, 110, and 35 over a little over three seasons with the Wild. Pretty good. Uh, not bad. Missed the playoffs last season and like it will this season. Never won a playoff series in Minnesota, which Pretty I bad. actually kind of find a little shocking. And not great. Uh, and it wasn't like the he kind of came in later after the whole always facing the, the Blackhawks early in the playoffs kind of thing. But lost in five games to the Blues in 2017, lost in five games to the Jets in 2018. Weren't expected to beat the Jets. They were expected to beat the Blues. I do remember that. And Jake Allen, of all people, stood on his head in that series. I think one of those games, Jake Allen had like a 51 save shutout or 51 saves and Joel Edmondson scored in overtime. So that was the kind of luck boost for Joe was working with in the playoffs that year. But um, Dean Evison was named the interim coach. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, Steve, I put down a couple landing spots. You tell me if you think the, this is a place where uh, Bruce for could end up, end up. So I said Montreal is one because Claude Julian has been there a couple of years now. Similar looks too. They do look the same. They look like they could fill in for, well, Claude Julian looks closer to the guy that uh, who's that he's guy? He's the, the king, king of the hill guy. And yeah, 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 we don't. Yeah, it's a. Um, and then I don't know what Bruce Boudreaux looks like, but I know what he looks like. I don't know who he looks like. You know what I mean? I know what. Before you guys start lighting on my Twitter, I know what Bruce Boudreaux looks like. All right, so. Uh, but Canadians are supposed to be better this year, kind of not doing 
not doing too hot. Uh, and Bergevin, I think, still gets to fire a coach. I'm assuming Claude Julien is kind of close to the way out. I don't know if he would go there. Maybe. Uh, I would take him over a couple of the other ones about the list here. Um, the Devils, for one, who still have uh, Elaine Nazardine as their interim coach. Uh, I don't think he's. I don't think he's going to stay on. Uh, and also, I don't want Bruce Boudreau in the division again because he is a halfway decent coach. And even though the Devils are bad, I'm sure he would figure out a way to make them somewhat competitive and maybe push for a wild card. Uh, Detroit, Jeff Blasso. I know he's not the problem in Detroit this year, but also Blasso has been there for a while now. Um, the Stars, Rick Bowness is still an interim head coach, uh, and they – you know, they're probably trying to figure out a replacement from Montgomery still. Already have a lot of defensive aspects lined up on that team. I feel like Boudreaux getting plopped in there will make a lot of sense. Uh, Vancouver, Travis Green. Uh, this is a year they are going in and doing a lot, adding to the, the team at the deadline. So I think Benning is making a point that he's trying to, you know, go for it. So if they come up empty or miss the playoffs overall, that I don't think that would go well for Travis Green. Blackhawks, Jeremy Colleton. It's Jeremy Colleton. He's not Joel Quinville. I think Bruce Boudreaux will be a better fit there. Uh, and then the Flames have Jeff Ward as the interim head coach. Or interim coach. Not interim head coach, interim coach. So I think he could end up in any of these places, but if I had to place a bet, I think I'd say Chicago. I think Chicago's a good choice. I think Chicago... And I don't know how committed Dallas is to, to Bowness, but I, I think if he – I really could see Boudreau doing pretty well in Dallas with the way they're built. And he – they already have the whole taking away the other team's uh, the other team's slot on offense, and he does pretty good with defense players, all this kind of shit. I think he could do pretty well down there. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I hope he gets back into the league soon. I think he's a pretty good coach. I think he just gets pretty bad luck in the playoffs sometimes. I think he has, like, the worst – this is, like, the fifth week in a row we're going to talk about PDO. But I think in Game 7 playoff history, as a coach, he has the worst PDO luck. So, in Game 7s in the playoffs, his goalies don't make saves and his team can't score. And that's kind of hard to win a playoff series if you're getting to a lot of Game 7s and they can't do that. So – Anywho, uh, Taylor Taylor Lear, our buddy Taylor Lear, signs a deal with the uh, the Sabers. He had been playing with the Rochester Americans on an AHL contract. He has seven goals and eight points in seventeen games this season with the Americans. Um, I, he might get a look back in the NHL again this season because the Sabers are a mess. Uh, Left-hand defenseman Jeremy Lawson stays in Boston for two more years, eight hundred fifty k a year. Nicholas Delorier stays in Anaheim for two years, one million dollars a year. J.C. Howerluck was claimed off waivers by Ottawa from Florida. Again, Florida, I don't know what they're... I mean, they had a game last week against the Panthers where they used two defensemen on a forward line, and then they lose this guy on waivers, and they traded away another bottom six guy. So, yeah, just Florida's killing it. Um, Colorado will be without Miko Randon, who is out weeks with a UBI after slamming to the boards on Monday against the Lightning. Uh, they'll be without Matt Calvert, who was out week to week with an LBI and then Grubauer is day to day, but possibly longer term with an LBI. Uh, Eric Carlson is out for the season with a thumb injury. Brock Besser is completely, or er, is possibly out for the season with rib cartilage fracture. Uh, Andreas Janssen is out for the leaves for six months following knee surgery. So he's out for the rest of the year. Oscar Limblom is week to week with a shoulder injury for the Oilers. Oilers, by the way, you are said still Limblom. Missing. It's a, uh, 
Clef bomb. Oscar Clef bomb. Clef bomb. Sorry. Yeah, it's all Oscar. And then I miss I miss Oscar boy. Yeah, I miss so Oscar boy too. Oscar boy. Yeah. yeah, get one in there. Uh, Oscar. Yeah. So week to week shoulder injury. They're still without McDavid. Uh, Adam Lowry is out at least a month uh, with a horrendous case of UBI. Mark Borowiecki is out indefinitely with an ankle injury. Uh, Zach Aston Reese is week to week with an LBI. Uh, Zach Cassian was only suspended seven games for kicking Eric Cernick in the chest with his skate last week. Probably should have so, been seven uh, weeks. Yeah, I, you know what? You got to give a guy like Cassian the benefit of the doubt. There's no other major physical altercation he's been in this year that probably left a blackout in the league. So, yeah, I get, you know, I get only seven games. That makes sense. Yeah. It's fucking league sometimes. Jay Bowmeister. Uh, Jay Bowmeister returned to St. Louis on Sunday and is, quote, on the road to recovery. Hasn't announced when or if he'll play again, but it seems like he is, I don't want to say fine, but he is, there's no major concerns of his health going forward now after the cardiac incident last week, um, or cardiac episode. And it sounds like he should, well, he's on the road to recovery, so he should eventually get to being fine. Again, hasn't said if he will actually play again. And um, I don't believe Rich Peverly played again after his incident. Uh, and it's a huge, and Craig Cunningham was another one where he, I mean, obviously he never came back because of his leg and injury with, uh, after it. But these are things where, like, this might be, I think Bo Meester might be done. I, this was going to be his last season or second to last season, if not his last. So I, I think he's done. It's an unfortunate way, obviously, for him to go out, but it is nice to know that he, this shouldn't have a huge impact on his future. Yeah, for sure. And so, it, he, yeah. he got his cup and there's no shame in calling yeah, it a yeah, career yeah. at this point. And speaking of uh, video games, by the way, Joe Bo Meester back NHL 04. I used to, I had a franchise where I would just get fast ass players. And that was Joe, Jay Bowmeister was a rookie that year, I believe. And he was like 97 speed. So I would just give him the puck and let him skate around everybody. And I also <laughs> added Blair Betts, who I think was a 95 in speed. So like, Blair I had like a 40 goal season with Blair Betts and Jay Bowmeister had like 25 goals on the blue line. So that was, uh, if you're wondering what gaming was like before the internet, that's, you know, that's what we had to work with. <laughs> so, uh, that is, uh, that's it. That, that's it for this episode that's it for this episode it's been a very long one and we're gonna wrap it up real quick if you have any feedback for us the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca you can reach craig at sports are bad craig you're working yep. on anything right now for bsh i am i don't know if i'm gonna have anything out for thursday but by friday i'm gonna have out something on hag brawn and i'm also gonna try and write a little something about the uh the claude Drew pace we were talking about talking about the logical look to see if he can actually break any of these records nice. so i hope to have two things up by friday so been working with the uh, uh well still having a little bit of internet shit but you know all the shit i had to deal with last week so it was uh i gotta gotta make up for lost time now hey we got through this one that's <laughs> yeah that's uh yeah we're doing yeah no small right with it. no small yeah the, speaking of knocking on you gotta knock on the wood because i'm really i'm still nervous about it so there you go all right but that, that's what i'm doing we're for. right about there we're we're on the precipice and we can just finish it off right now and if you want to follow me you can follow me at estebomb or fly purpley but make it fly purpley for all of your hockey needs follow bsh radio follow broad street hockey be sure to listen to all of our great programming podcast programming on broad street hockey we have so many great shows and you can listen to craig and i more often at the beginning of the week if you listen to the flyers forecast in addition to fly verbally so please check out the forecast 
that is about a half hour or so and it's a it's a good time it's a good time it's a good time yeah it's the best time of my life best time I think it's, yeah yeah never had a better time uh like <laughs> us on facebook at broad street hockey um and rate subscribe all that great stuff on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher wherever you may listen to podcasts all we How got our podcast hmm Oh, I was trying to throw in one of those. Oh, fake names. no, no, no time for fake ones next week. Oh, sorry, 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 yeah, yeah. I'm wrapping the shit. <laughs> it's too long. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh yeah. my god. Oh my god. All right, gang. That's all we got. I swear to God. Until next time. In the words of the great Gene Hart. Good night and good hockey. Wow! 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 Wow, 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 That's the Terminator. Flop over me, flip, flip, flop over me. Flop over me, flip, flip, flop over me. Hello, everybody. This is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers but also other hockey things, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell, and Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah! Flop over me, flip, flip, flop over me. Flop over me, flip, flip, flop over me.